Blog Talk Radio. We got you in. Uh, we're looking forward to it, buddy. Uh, kind of an unusual thing. Usually we do the recap, but uh, Richie had talked to you earlier and decided we're going to open up things with a bang. We're going to bring you in and talk about what's going on in the upstate. So uh, without further ado, you know, I'll let you uh, come in and talk about what's going on in the upstate. I know we've got some high school football kind of getting underway uh, with the practices. Maybe you got a few of those uh, Skeeter teams playing some ball up there. Uh, we'll, we'll start out with high school, and we can head over to uh, – you know, the Clemson campus and see what's going on with uh, Dabo and the Tigers. Well, you know, it's funny. I uh, Here it is September 1st, and usually we're playing football by now. Um, obviously still about three or four weeks away, but the, the funny thing is I was thinking about the other day, I've probably done, um, you know, in the past three to four weeks, I've probably done five or six, interviews uh, on, on different radio stations in the upstate talking about high school football season. And uh, the sad thing is I, I hadn't even talked much about football. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been mostly what will it look like? What will the coronavirus have? How will, that, how, will it affect, how will it affect the season? Will there be fans? Will there not be fans? You know, are we going to play? I get that. I, I, I bet I get asked that three times a week. So, uh, the sad part is I really, we really hadn't talked much football. You know, I, I think even from a, a college perspective, we're to the point now where we're finally like, okay, we can actually, we can actually not to speak too soon, but we can actually start thinking about uh, these games actually happening. You know, we saw a game happen Saturday night, even though it was Austin P. It was still, it was still a college football game, and we're hoping the same thing for high school. We saw high school football happen this past Friday night amidst um, this this pandemic, if you want to call it that, uh, that we're going through. Uh, high school football has happened successfully so far in other states. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, at the Skiza level, it started last Friday. And uh, I, I went to a Skiza game, and, man, did it feel good just to, just to be in a stadium and uh, in an environment where there were – People, you know, not on top of each other, but still, still crowded together in one venue, uh, watching some high school football. It sure did feel good, uh, and, and hopefully we'll have that here in the Upstate. Even though it's starting in September, it still feels like it's a, 
a, a light year away. I mean, September 25th is the first week, and uh, we're just now September 1st. So we, you know, these high schools haven't even started official uh, practice yet. So um, and while we're ready, there's a lot of teams that still have a long ways to go before before we kick this thing off. So which Skiza game did you attend? I went to uh, Hammond at Ben Lippin. So that's uh, there in the Columbia area. Uh, yep, and, and it was Lippin. in Columbia. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about Hammond. I know they lost some uh, megastars who've uh, taken their talents to the Power 5 level. Uh, what did you see and uh, what did you take away from the game? Well, I don't know uh, as much about Hammond and Ben Lippin as other people do out there who – to cover them and follow them. I, I kind of went just as a, uh, uh, a spectator starving for football uh, and and didn't cover it to the, the degree that I normally do. But, uh, you know, Hammond, I did know that they lost a lot last year, but they still looked pretty good. You know, the interesting thing was for that game Friday, you know, I was, I was curious uh, going into it as to, how much that game would really look like a football game, you know, because while these kids, you know, have been practicing, there was a large amount of time this offseason where they're normally practicing that they just didn't get to practice this season. So I was kind of curious to see, you know, if it'd be uh, more on the sloppy side of things, if there'd be a lot of flags, a lot of penalties, a lot of false starts, a lot of offsides, a lot of those, you know, those those uh, things that you see in early jamborees and early scrimmages throughout the year and even a couple of weeks into the season sometimes and, you know, just stupid penalties. And, and to, to my surprise, it really wasn't uh, It really wasn't that. It was actually a, a pretty uh, clean game, if you will. What, what, what weren't a ton of penalties uh, that I can remember. Um, and uh, Hammond, you know, as, as they did lose a lot, they were still pretty stout. Um, you know, offensively, they were able to move the football, and that's something that, that Ben Lippin wasn't able to do. Ben Lippin, actually, I know the, the score didn't show. I know Hammond won by a, a good margin, but Ben Lippin actually played pretty good defense throughout the game. They just had, they just had no help uh, offensively, and uh, Hammond, Hammond got off to a good start and, and, and maybe had a little bit more size as well. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a, it was a high school football game, and, and right now it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like your favorite candy that you hadn't had in a long time. It was, it was welcome. Now, if we were looking at some of the high schools in your area, uh, and the Southside Christian has moved down from 2A to 1A, and a lot of people have picked those guys to kind of make a run. I know they had a, a good chance last year in 2A ball. Uh, actually, I know someone who teaches at the school up there. And, uh, you know, when the quarterback got hurt, that kind of put a little damper on things going to the playoffs or, or in the playoffs. But uh, they've moved down to 1A ball. So give us kind of uh, your thoughts on the 1A, uh, 2A. I'm not sure how many 3A schools you have in that area. But uh, the 4A and 5A, because we've had some of the big 5As. We've had, you know, we've had Greenville, uh, Breer. We've had some of those superstars on. I know uh, – uh, East Side's looking to uh, do some damage. You know, they gave Greer all they could handle, a little bit extra that Greer couldn't handle last year. I've seen a bunch of those guys at camps. And uh, give us a little breakdown for the high school level at, at, at uh, what you're seeing up there and, you know, those teams that you think can make a run. Well, you know, it's interesting. We always talk uh, Spartanburg County teams first because, uh, you know, in, in recent years, rightfully so, they've been – uh, the dominant teams when you talk about the teams in Spartanburg and Cherokee County and Dorman and Spartanburg and Burns and Gaffney um, and even 
you know, it, it's a it's a 3A level. Chapman in the past few years, but when you look at Greenville County, you know there there are some teams in Greenville County who uh, have started to kind of figure this football thing out. And I'm not saying that in a, in a, a derogatory uh, manner or, or try to be rude, but you know, for a long time, and uh, you know, Greenville County coaches will admit it. I'm sure some of them don't like to, but for a long time, Greenville County didn't play uh, competitive football in, in terms of what what Spartanburg County did. You know, I mean, anytime you saw a Greenville County school on the schedule, it, you knew it was going to be an easy win. But I tell you what, there's there's been a few guys that have really kind of transformed that here in the past couple of years. And I really think it starts with what Greg Porter did at Hillcrest a few years ago uh, and taking Hillcrest to a, a state championship, kind of setting the precedence, if you will, in, in Greenville County. And and what Greg Porter has been able to do since um, as, as the coach of the Red Raiders, you know, they have a very good squad. You mentioned Southside Christian and Eastside and Greer. I know um, Greer had a very special quarterback who transferred to Spartan, Spartan High. Uh, so the, obviously they are going to have to throw a, a new guy in a quarterback. But I, I'm really interested to see what Eastside will do, you know, I think Greenville is a little bit behind the eight ball because you got to remember, um, you got to remember, Greenville, while Spartanburg County was able to practice, I say practice while they were able to condition most of the summer. Greenville County was not. Greenville County uh, was was sitting out most of the summer due to Greenville County having a very high number of of coronavirus uh, positives in the county. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Greenville is a little bit behind the eight ball, but I, I really look forward to see uh, what Eastside will do. I know they have a very good quarterback and uh, the skull-off kid. I think he's uh, proven himself over the past couple of years to be a true competitor. And when you look at Eastside, and, and now you have Greg Porter across the way at Greenville, uh, you, you have schools who are, are trying to make their way into the conversation uh, you talked about with Greer and, and you know, a, a very good friend of mine, uh, Travis Miller, who, who was the offensive coordinator at, at Bowling Springs, now the head coach at Wade Hanson, trying to build a program. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be honest with you, when you try to build a program in Greenville County and you successfully do so, uh, kudos to you because it, it's, it's tough to go over to Greenville County and try to build a football program that's competitive uh, when you play and are in regions with the Spartanburg and Union and Cherokee County schools because, uh, you know, just for years the culture is so much different as far as football goes between the Spartanburg County and the Greenville County schools. So, uh, you know, kudos to those guys, these coaches. I think the world of Greg Porter and the job that he's done uh, at Greenville County already won a state championship and really competing well at the next level. And, and you even talk about a school not, not too far uh, from Greenville County and Wren who uh, played the state championship last year. You got a lot of a lot of schools in Greenville County who are starting to emerge uh, as competitors. You know, they're not they're not uh, what Spartanburg County is yet, and probably never will be because of the, 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 the dominant the dominance we've seen from Spartanburg County over the past 30 to 40 years. But uh, Greenville County football is a lot more interesting to watch and follow now than it was a few years ago. Uh, so I, you know, it, when, moving over to Spartanburg County, you got your normals. You know, Dorman lost. Uh, 20, uh, excuse me, Dorman returns returns 20 starters uh, to their football team, and I just drove by just a few minutes ago and saw those guys and Dave Gutshaw outside practicing, uh, getting the conditioning in. Uh, they are moving into phase two, I believe, tomorrow, 
and I could be wrong on that, but I think uh, tomorrow is phase two. Maybe maybe it, maybe it was today, but uh, phase two soon, and then next week will be the official start of high school practice. I think Dorman's, uh, you know, a favorite to win the region. You know, the, the, the region kind of got mixed up a little bit uh, in the off season when they sent Bowling Springs and Gaffney to the Rock Hill region. So now, you know, Dorman, Spartanburg, Burns, Bowling Springs, Gaffney region's kind of been split among the powerhouses, and Gaffney and Bowling Springs are, are playing some Rock Hill and York teams and uh, battling it out. And, and the other region, you have Dorman, Spartanburg, and Burns, uh, as well as Riverside and Whitehampton who are plugged in there. But I think Dorman's a, a favorite um, to win the, the region just because of how many um, starters they return from last year's team, the experience they have uh, playing in state championships in the past you know, four to five years. They've got coaches who, who know how to get there and know what it takes to get there. And, uh, you know, Burns, as good as they were last year, they just fell a little bit short uh, a game away from playing for the upper, upper state championship. And um, they lost a lot. But I think, you know, there's a lot of talent uh, on that Burns team that has a chance to, uh, to prove a lot of people wrong this year and surprise some people. And, you know, the, the biggest question mark is probably Spartanburg. You have a coach in Mark Hodge who was at Chapman and kind of created that dynasty over at Chapman and won uh, two state championships, played in three over at Chapman, and, and has now come back to Spartanburg where he once coached and is leading a Spartanburg program with a, long, uh, a, few, of his, a few of his assistants. Uh, a Spartanburg program who over the past few years just haven't, uh, hasn't had a, a true identity, you know, hadn't had a, a ton of playmakers and hadn't uh, had a, uh, you know, the past four or five years have not been good years for Spartanburg football. So uh, interested to see what Mark Hodge does at Spartanburg. But, yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of fun things to look at this year when it comes to high school football, especially right here in Spartanburg and Greenville County. Just ready for it to uh, kick off, man. Yeah, no doubt. I've actually been following Dorman a good bit. I, I know some of the preseason hype has been on those guys. And, you know, a lot of uh, the pundits have them uh, ranked number one in the state coming back. I guess a lot of folks think that uh, they play well enough in that state championship team with Dutch Fork. And, with, like you said, they have 20 returning starters or players. that uh, it, it, It's theirs to, you know, kind of take that helm and take that crown away from Dutch Fork this year. And, you know, I actually follow um, – Dorman and Spartanburg because I train specialists. I train kickers, and uh, Dorman has a great one at Omar Khan, and then uh, yep. over in Spartanburg they got uh, you know uh, John Love, who's a 2022 guy who beat out a guy I trained uh, for the first overall for the class of 2022, uh, who's ranked eighth in the nation. They also have another guy, you know, who's a rising senior taking over for the uh, Shrine Bowl kicker at Spartanburg. So you know uh, those guys just you know they're they're great specialists in that little area. Uh, and, and the guys in Low Country are definitely competing with them. I know there's an article released about those guys uh, about a week or two ago uh, and just how unusual it is to have such great specialists there in that little area. But uh, the guys here in the Low Country, I train out, have been gunning for them. But, uh, you know, when you look at, you mentioned Dorman, and some people refer to it as Dorman University, uh, with 20 guys coming back. I mean, do you see such, you, you rode by and checked them out and got an eyeball at least on them? Uh, you think it's the year they can knock off Dutch Fork and win that title? Well, I, I, you know, I think uh, looking back at the four or five years, in the past four or five years, I thought they could have knocked off Dutch Fork, uh, you know, in the past four to five years. Obviously, I was wrong. Uh, I know they played uh, Fort Dorchester in 15 and lost, and I think they played 
um, and 17 against Dutch Fork and lost, and then obviously last year against Dutch Fork and lost again. So for Dorman, for Dorman, it feels like they've been to Columbia a good bit and, and just haven't been able to close it out. Uh, is this the year they can knock off Dutch Fork? Sure. I mean, I, I, I believe in Dorman every year because of what they have at Dave Gutshaw, but there's something about um, <laughs> Tom Knotts and Dutch Fork when they get to Columbia. You know, it's like it's almost like they're playing in their back. Oh, wait, they are playing in their backyard in their backyard, but, uh, you know, it, it's something about Dutch Fork playing in Columbia, man. They're an experienced uh, seasoned team, and Dorman, for some reason, and, and other upstate schools have had the same trouble. Bowling Springs couldn't do it in 16. Uh, it, it, it's hard to knock off Dutch Fork in Columbia. It's just hard to do, and it hasn't been done much um, at all. Um, so, you know, I don't know if, if Dorman has the, uh, the firepower to do it. You know, I think there are I think there are cases to be made that, that Dutch Fork is going to be just as strong as they were last year. I know they lost a lot and a lot, lost a lot of guys um, at the skill position who mean a lot to that football team and who meant a lot to it last year. But, you know, it, for me, if I had to have a preseason ranking, it would be hard for me to put Dorman over Dutch Fork uh, preseason when, when Dutch Fork is still the, the top dog. I mean, I know they, I know they lost a lot, but still, I, I would still have Dutch Fork at number one. Um, going into the season just with, with the, the talent they have each and every year. Uh, and, again, Dorman's going to be stout, but, you know, there, there, there are so many. The difference is Dorman has to play, um, and I know it's shortened this season, so it, it, might be, it may be a curveball to what, normal, uh, what normally is. But Dorman has to play much stiffer competition throughout the year to get to Columbia than Dutch Fork does. And I, I, I'm not trying to, to throw a, you know, a stab at Dutch Fork's schedule or the competition in Columbia or anything like that because it's very good football. But, uh, you know, when the old Region 2, Region 2 4A, uh, 4A Region 2, when you had Dorman and Gaffney and Burns and Spartanburg and Bowling Springs all in that region, I mean, you know, people across the state know how tough that region is and how tough year in and year out it is. It, you know, it's been referred to for many years now as the SEC of high school football, and uh, Dorman still has a very tough schedule this year. Even though it's shortened, they still have a, a tough road to get there, and then not to mention when they get in the playoffs, they'll probably have to play one or two of those teams again uh, out of their region or, or out of the other region where Gaffney is now. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I think Dorman, to answer your question, I think they could knock them off, but uh, it's easier said than done, and, and that's been showcased in the past few years. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the SEC of, of football up there, and and the recruiting rankings, and certainly, you know, the offers going out to those schools certainly show that. But, uh, you know, one thing, and, and you being in the media, uh, one thing we haven't, you know, either heard or, or it's been quiet uh, is whatever may or may not happen to Dutch Fork over those practices that were going on. Uh, because, you know, early on, I we had heard some, some rumblings that, you know, they may not be allowed to participate in playoffs this year. That may be a big thing. And then we heard that. You know, maybe some other type of punishment, but it kind of, you know, COVID kind of took the uh, attention away from us. We hadn't heard anything, so I don't know if you have either. But, uh, you know, getting back to, um, you know, up in the upstate with, like you said, the SEC and the recruiting, you know, if you look at that I-85 corridor between Atlanta and Charlotte, and we've had a lot of experts on, you know, those kids are getting a ton of big-time attention. And there's been some, you know, one or two of the national recruiting analysts that said South Carolina is just down. But, you know, you have so many players right there in your area toting, you know, 30 or more Division One offers. And that's coming from Greer, Malden, uh, um, 
over at Greenville High School and many others. You know, so, you know, while we allege and we, we disagree with those guys, you can certainly see that there is a lot of elite talent in your area, uh, especially, you know, at the skill position this year. No doubt. And I'll, I'll get to your, your comment about Dutch Fork in a second, but um, one thing that if I'm going to talk about teams that I think are going to be at the top this year, uh, I, again, I told you Dorman's going to be stout and, and Burns, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people, but you know, if I had a if I had to make a guess right now of who I thought would be the team to uh, really surprise everybody, and I don't know how big of a surprise it'd be, but uh, a team that I think is going to be loaded, and they were unable to knock off Dorman last year in the Upper State Championship, but I think they will be able to do it this year. And I'm not saying Dorman won't get to Columbia, but uh, if Dorman does get to Columbia, uh, they deserve to be there because I think they will have to get through Gaffney. And I think Gaffney this year is going to be uh, just as good as they've been in a long time. Uh, They have a ton of talent returning. Uh, A quarterback who is going into his third year as a starter. um, And a a, a lot of guys around him who are playmakers. And we saw this. I saw Gaffney twice last year. Burns uh, beat him pretty good by, you know, 25 points or so in the regular season. And then got beat by Gaffney in the the playoff where Gaffney advanced to the upper state championship. to play Dorman, but I think Gaffney, man, I think they're going to be uh, really, really, really talented. And you talk about all the, the talent we have up here and the guys who are ranked uh, nationally and, and being recruited nationally. You know, there's a there's a few of those on that Gaffney roster that are going to be playing college football for sure somewhere, whether it be D1 or D2. Uh, Gaffney's going to be really stout. But to your point about Dutch Fork, uh, yeah, it, it is, as far as punishment goes, no, I haven't heard. Uh, but just you know, my opinion, will they will they be punished? Uh, maybe maybe they'll they'll have to practice for a week on a 90-yard field instead of a 100-yard field. You know, I mean that's that to me that's probably that's probably the max of punishment they'll get. You know, I <laughs> I I don't expect I don't expect to see any kind of punishment for Dutch Fork. Yeah, and you had to bring up Gaffney, man. That's, that's still a sore spot for for me. I don't I don't know your age or, or where you went to high school, but uh. I graduated from Walthrow in 96, and we had the elite powerhouse team in 95, and uh, those guys knocked us off in the state title game. So uh, every time I see the Gaffney Indians, man, I get a little uh, sore on that one. But uh, <laughs> so uh, having been there, you know, you, you make it to that last game, you get to play it uh, in, in Carolina Stadium, and it's, uh, to come away with that little medal instead of the trophy, it's uh, it's disheartening, and, and uh, it, it, it still it still rings. It's still it's still painful 25 years later. I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that and just move on. But uh, you know there are a lot of teams out there. I mean, it, it just have so much talent. And um, you know for the Low Country, and, and I see that a lot in high school sports. Is you got the Midlands region, you got kind of got the PD area, you got the Upstate, and you got the Low Country. There's not a whole lot of uh, statewide coverage on you know the big games. It's kind of like you you might see a little blip in the bottom, or you got to go to Twitter. You know the high school blitz, or, or for what you guys do, or what we guys, what we do to see those scores. Um, you know, with with that type of shortened season, and maybe with uh, the condensed uh, level of fans in the stands, do you foresee you know some bigger coverage on, on some of the uh, powerhouse teams this year? Ah, uh, you know, I, I would want to think yes, but the sad reality is that that high schools when they um, when all the high schools release their plan for 
the capacity that they're going to allow, you know, sadly that includes everybody, and that includes, you know, the, the media members as well as the radio crews and how they'll be able to allow people in the press box and, and uh, you know, how they'll have to socially distance and the rules that will come along with that and as well as media on the field. And, and, you know, so to answer your question, you know, I would like to think uh, there would be a ton of increased media presence at these high school games this year, but I don't know that there will be. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but again, I just think that with, with these restrictions that are being placed on each stadium, I think there will be uh, a limited number of media. I, I think there will be a limited number of everything. Uh, just as the fans are going to have a limited number, I mean, it, it's going to look different this year. And, and while this would be the perfect year to have more media than ever, um, I, I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case, and I think it just depends on the school and how they uh, decide how many media members they're going to allow and, and where they're going to put them and uh, how the coverage will be. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to think this year was a year where we had more coverage than ever, but with this, uh, <laughs> with the, the coronavirus and, and the, the unknowns, you know, who knows? Well, before we get into the uh, upstate and, and some of the, you know, the, the big school, obviously the upstate is going for another national championship uh, with the Heisman quarterback uh, at the helm. Uh, give me your top two or three high school games you're looking forward to this fall. Ah, man, that's um, that's tough. I, I think the, the the sad reality is with the regions moving, you're not going to see uh, Gaffney Burns this year. Uh, so that's always. <laughs> You know, one of the biggest games in the in the state. Uh, uh, for, you know, as far as what I'm looking forward to the most, um, Dorman Burns is always a huge one. It's always been a huge one, and that will probably have region. You know, with 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 uh, only two teams getting into the playoffs this year, that will probably uh, be for the the region championship or for that second spot, unless Spartanburg has something to say about it. But. You know, I, I think I'm looking forward to that, but I, I think I'm looking forward to Gaffney. Uh, i tell you what game I'm looking forward to most, and it's a game that I probably that, that hasn't been scheduled yet. It's going to be either Gaffney, in my opinion, it's either going to be Gaffney and Dorman or Gaffney and Burns again in, the, in, in, uh, in the playoffs, uh, fighting it out to go uh, to the upper state championship or to Columbia, whatever it may be, uh, because even though those, those teams aren't in the, in the same region this year, uh, those are the games that I always look forward to the most. Uh, but you know what? I, I have to say I am looking forward to seeing how Chapman does. And I uh, hadn't talked much about them, but quickly I will note, you mentioned Malden. Uh, Harry Cavanis, who was the head coach at Malden, is now the head coach at Chapman, who is coming off of the state championship. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what Chapman does in a new head coach. And, uh, you know, a, a weird off season where you don't have – a full off season to implement your 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 staff and your your uh, your playbook and and just being able to do all the things that you normally can do. I'm looking forward to seeing you know Chapman and Woodruff week week one and, and seeing uh, how Chapman can can respond after those guys set the bar so high in the past couple of years. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what Chapman can do. Yeah, no man, and, and that's the thing is you're so loaded with so such a. Uh you know, high-end teams. I mean, there's so many teams ranked in top ten in every division of the upstate. But uh, let's move on now to uh, Clemson and some of the, uh, you know, uh, playing ball in the upstate. I know there's a lot of uh, 
other schools up there who aren't playing in the fall. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to uh, Dabo and the guys and, uh, you know, a guy named Trevor Lawrence, man. Uh, I, I know they have a good schedule, and they're a host. The Citadel kind of picked up that game in the up, you know, to keep it in South Carolina. It's the first year without USC Clemson and God knows how long. And, uh, what, are you, what are you seeing, what are you hearing, and what are you looking forward to on the Clemson game? Well, listen, as somebody who's pulled for Clemson their whole life, I mean, you know, it, you have to admit that it, Clemson normally has <laughs> – always being in the ACC has had a, a very favorable schedule, but man, if it's, if it's normally a cupcake uh, this year, it's a, a full red velvet cake. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if it's, if it's normally uh, an easy schedule this year, it's super easy. And you're not having to play um, any teams out of comp. I mean, look at Clemson's schedule and who's, who, who do they have on there that's ranked? Anybody? I mean, uh, the toughest games, you know, later in the year, you know, I know they go to Florida State, but there's not going to be hardly any fans. I, man, they, they have a very, very, very easy schedule and as talented and as loaded as Clemson's going to be this year with, with Trevor uh, Lawrence returning. They should uh, they should get bored. They should get bored during the season. And, uh, you know, when, when the playoffs come around, I think that'll be uh, their true test. And, man, I, I mean, if you're a Clemson fan, you're somewhat worried – uh, about making the playoffs because when you do, uh, not, not about making it, but playing in it and, and being competitive, when you do make the playoffs, you're going to have to play some competition that you hadn't seen since last year. And um, I just don't know who on Clemson's schedule is going to give them a test. And I know they always, you know, when you're the number one team, you, you get everybody's best, and I get that. You know, we didn't expect North Carolina to play Clemson the way they did last year, and and, and and Chapel Hill and have that game come down to a, a, a two-point conversion that Mac Brown called. I know we didn't expect that, but and and so to say, in fairness, there may be a team this year that, that sneaks up and plays Clemson really well. It may be Virginia Tech or somebody like that since it's at Virginia Tech uh, toward the end of the season. But, man, that Clemson's schedule is just it's, – it's, it's, it's super easy. They should have no problem rolling through it, and uh, with the talent they have, they should be healthy and ready to go when the playoffs come. And, man, you know, uh, I, I think you'd be crazy to, to, to think of when you get to the playoffs, you're probably going to have to face Alabama pretty either in the first round or obviously the national championship. I know LSU lost the house, including Joe Burrow, and uh, I don't think as many people don't think they'll be back in the playoffs this season. And if Ohio State's not playing uh, until Thanksgiving, who knows if they'll be in the playoff conversation. Who knows how that will even look. Um, but, man, you know, if you're Clemson, you, you feel you feel two ways. You feel good because you know you're going to be in the playoff. You don't play anybody. But at the same time, you, you kind of think, well, are we going to be tested at all? And the answer to that is no. Yeah, and Rich and I have both been high on uh, University of North Carolina. We think they're bringing back a lot. Uh, they've added some pieces. The quarterbacks develop more. You know, he's a guy – Probably don't follow Trevor Lawrence as maybe being, you know, a top, the number one overall pick in a year or so. Um, But this year, Clemson gets them a little bit at at home. And so, you know, that's going to be, you know, a bigger challenge for UNC. Another team I was looking for, maybe I have a little bias because Sam Harton played for us uh, here at Oceanside and played for us. But, you know, they just lost their top, one of their top receivers who decided to opt out. You mentioned LSU. You know, uh, Chase just decided to opt out as well. So it's going to be yep. a very uh, interesting year. You know, early on in the show, we had Reggie on from uh, Charlotte. 
And I said early on, I predicted it and said, this is going to be an asterisk year because I really thought this was the year uh, that Ohio State was going to come back and knock off the big boys. I think they brought enough back on defense. Uh, you know, to, to stop or, or to leave hang with Clemson like they did last year. And I think their offense has developed a little bit more. Not having Ohio State there, I do. I think it's going to be Clemson. And, I, I you know, we've kind of looked at teams like a Texas A&M. Uh, they're loaded with speed all over the place, kind of like what uh, Urban Meyer built at Florida, which is speed, 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 and athleticism. So, you know, and, and I, do, I don't think Clemson's going to be tested in the conference a whole lot. Maybe that Notre Dame game, we'll see. Sometimes Notre Dame looks like they could beat anybody, and then they get to the big games and collapse. So uh, we'll definitely see, you know, how uh, those guys look when it comes time to uh, compete, you know, out of conference and um, against the big boys come playoffs. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully we can start and finish this thing. That's the key there is finish. Uh, I think it's going to be much easier to start it, obviously, than it's going to be to finish it. But looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to, to being able to have a little bit of normalcy back in our lives, hopefully hopefully for good. <laughs> no doubt, man. We appreciate your time, and thank you for always for joining us in. Uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you once these first games kick off and to kind of get your input since you're the eyes and ears on the ground up there. And uh, stay safe and take care, brother. Thank you for your time. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. All right, we're coming up on a break right now, and then uh, once we get back in, uh, Richie has joined us from his meetings. We have our Reggie joining in from Charlotte. Uh, We'll be back in just a short break. Thank you. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Hey guys, uh, so I uh, I'm here live uh, with you now, Richie Alden here, of course, uh, Eugene Benton. Eugene, man, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and kind of bring you in here, buddy. I appreciate you kicking it off here for the first 30 minutes. I know you had Bryson in here with us uh, talking about what's happening uh, around the Upstate. I got I got to go back and listen to it. That's the cool part about Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. If you missed any of this, you can always go back and of course uh, bring back the interview, bring back the conversation. Uh, but Eugene, you did a great job, brother. Uh, I don't want to waste a lot of time here because we're going to be up against the clock pretty quickly. I'll go ahead and bring in uh, the man, the myth, and the legend up there in Charlotte, 
uh, of course, is uh, joining us now. Of course, uh, with that, I will go ahead and say uh, good afternoon all the way up in Charlotte. How's it going, big man? Reggie, you with us, buddy? Can you hear me? Hey, we got you live now, man. What's up, Reggie? Hey, Reggie Walker, Andrew Washington Jr. joining us now all the way from Charlotte. What's up, buddy? Not too much, man. Just uh, kind of enjoying a little bit cooler of a day. I shouldn't say cool. Not quite as warm in the Queen City today as it has been. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Uh, so, But it has been. It has been a little hotter around uh, the game of college football. Uh, I was in a meeting, and, and I got a bunch of messages. Uh, shot to me. It sounds like the president's going to play a little bit of politics in college football. Update me, man. I, again, I'm just getting on the air. You heard Eugene was running the ship for the first 30, Reginald, but uh, it sounds like he said Big Ten, get it together. It's time to play some football, and I guess they're looking to kick their season off sometime in October. So I'll kind of streamline that with how does that work with them playing into the playoffs with the season? Are they going to shorten it? I'll kind of let you kind of take this one by the head with you being a former Big Ten football player over there at Penn State. There's a lot going on with this because uh, Bill Moose uh, from Nebraska came out and said that there's no truth, according to some reports, he came out and said there's no truth to the October 10th start date. I don't know how he came up with that. Um, but getting back to the original question, yeah, the president, um, the, the Big Ten received a call from, uh, I guess, an intermediary at the White House looking to set up a call with the president and the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren. Uh, they eventually talked, and basically the president was, uh, to put it lightly, encouraging the Big Ten to find a way to play safely this fall. Uh, the thing that I think is interesting as all this is happening, Richie and, 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 and Eugene, you know, it's interesting because we talked about this the last couple of weeks. And remember a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty strong uh, on kind of defending Kevin Warren because of the process. And then last week, it kind of sounded like maybe the process didn't go the way it was supposed to go and made it seem like maybe Kevin Warren did act unilaterally. Well, now something came out late yesterday, early today, that essentially says the Big Ten voted 11-3 to to postpone the season. The only three that were voting to play this fall was Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. So, again, very interesting. You've heard a lot. We've heard a lot from Michigan, particularly Jim Harbaugh. He needs to go talk to his chancellor. Uh, we've heard a little bit from James Franklin. Hey, James, you need to go talk to the president. We heard from uh, the, the athletic director at Penn State, Sandy Barber, saying she was told that there was no vote. Well, clearly she was either, A, told wrong, or B, she needed to tell us who told her that because now they're reporting that the vote was 11-3, to 3, which also equals, right, on paper, what Kevin Warren said, which was an overwhelming amount voted to postpone the season. So I think this is going to be very interesting because, uh, you know, to me, again, I, I think you always go to the source. It sounds like to me the president of the United States may have 11 more phone calls to make and he needs to talk to the 11 presidents and or chancellors that voted to postpone the season. Well, I tell you, uh, Eugene, I want you to chime in on this because I know you as well have kind of uh, been keeping up with, I've kept you pretty busy today with being in and out of meetings, getting some things ironed out here with Southern Sports Central. But uh, Eugene, what do you have in the background uh, that you've been able to find out, buddy? Yeah, similar to what Reggie said. um, So I, 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 
was able to listen in on the hearing last Thursday, um, and the judge, so the Nebraska lawyer or lawyer for the Nebraska players pushed for discovery, and he pushed for a five-day discovery order uh, saying that the Big Ten had to um, turn over the vote count and all of the uh, superseding information, meaning all the memos, all the um, uh, medical documentation, everything that was used to make a vote. But then they also said they wanted the actual tally of the vote count because Big Ten operates under the like most conferences and most really most organizations all the way down to a town council with the Roberts Rule of Order in that they have to call a vote count and record the vote count and uh, the the lawyer or or the uh, plaintiffs in the case the players had asked for that now what was filed yesterday Reggie at 5 p.m. Um, because they had until 5 p.m. was to uh, produce why they had to file a brief saying that they wanted to suppress that evidence because the Big Ten in that hearing, and I heard it on, and we shared it, was that they wanted to suppress the evidence because they thought, you know, the communications between the president and everything like that was kind of confidential because they didn't want to share, you know, well, what this person was thinking about or what they were saying or what they were relying on. So the Big Ten has actually fought that order to produce that. Now, what they did produce by 5 p.m., they said there was a vote count or they said that the vote was overwhelmingly in favor of canceling the season. They did not say what the actual vote count was. Uh, The the 11 to 3 in those schools was actually relying on a reporter who said or or someone who said he was in the meeting. So we're still kind of waiting on the judge to rule whether or not they have to produce the actual uh, minute meeting to see what that vote was. Now, I don't, I, I'm not saying the reporter's wrong by any means or, or anything like that, but what we're waiting on is, you know, we're in the business of fact-finding. That's what we do, you know, in, in the right. media business. And so that's what we're kind of waiting on is to see, you know, if the judge rules that they have to produce it, then they're going to have to produce that vote count, and then it's not – it's no longer hearsay. It's actually here's the memo, here's the document, and here's the uh, vote count, and we can roll with that. But uh, I agree with you. If you're at Michigan and you are complaining that you can't play, you need to take it up the food chain. It's your president who voted no, if that's the case. Let me ask you this, Eugene, because you know a lot more about legal ramifications of this than I do. But I think one thing that's, that could happen here that could get very interesting, um, and, 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 and I'll look at kind of both sides of it. Obviously, if the Big Ten can't produce uh, the documentation of the vote, I think the league has a problem. Uh, I think on the flip side of that, if they produce that information, uh, are we looking at a situation where maybe three schools are trying to sue the other 11 in the conference? You can. However, I'm sure there's a clause when they joined the conference and said, you know, when we go to a vote, the vote stands if it's an overwhelming majority. And I think it was I, – I don't think they have a supermajority. I didn't read anything about a supermajority, meaning like a two-thirds or anything like that. So if it's 14 teams and you've got eight teams that vote yes, you're stuck, and that's part of joining a conference. You join. It, it, it's no different than a democracy, you know, with – the majority of folks vote one way. You live with it whether you like it or not. And I haven't seen anything that is a supermajority, but, you know, I, I can't imagine that they could sue if there's evidence produced that there was a legitimate vote and the vote went to, you know, postpone or cancel the season or whatnot. So 
you know, the only way I could see them doing that would be to, uh, A, you know, leave the league and then do something. But I, I just don't see it on that end. I, I, that's part of going in the conference. You know, you're part of the family and you agree to go with what the, you know, with the votes. That's right. And, and, and Richie, real quick, and I know you want to jump back in here, but that was getting back to kind of yesterday. Remember, I, I hit you with that tweet. What I was kind of saying there was, man, we just talked about this two weeks in a row. I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know how I feel, but I've been on your show giving my opinion, and it keeps changing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Richie is speechless on that one because, you know, and that's the thing is that with this pandemic and what's been going on, it's been changing every week, it, it, whether it's all the way down to high school. We've even seen it here in the youth football league, and the commissioner here locally finally decided to let the kids play, but – you know, it's been a give and take every week, you know, whether it be, you know, numbers go up and down or what we're going to do, uh, Reggie, it, it's been that way. And there's no fault to you because what you may um, go out and, and say, you know, from reports that you're hearing today, you know, we all know that can change tomorrow. You know, people can have <laughs> meetings and, and closed-door meetings and votes tomorrow to completely change what they voted on today. And it looks like the Big Ten's had several of those where they either had a vote, didn't have a vote, had a meeting. You know, they made schedules and locked in schedules and went out on social media and said, we're going to play these days. And then, you know, a week later, we're not playing. So, you know, no fault to you, brother. You're just reporting the facts as they come out. Yeah, this thing is all over the map. I tell you, I'm curious to see, and now we're seeing more and more players opt out. Uh, I think I saw something like LSU was down to five stars from what they had on the national championship team between guys already in the draft, obviously, or in the NFL at this point, and then guys that, that have opted out of this season. So uh, curious to see how that continues to play out. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't heard many names or really any uh, from Clemson or South Carolina that have really been big names, I should say, that that, that recently have decided to, to, to opt out. So uh, it's this thing's going to get interesting because you're seeing, you know, some odd situations. You got the Surratt brothers at North Carolina. One has opted out. The other one hasn't. Now, part of that is new position, only one year of film. Uh, that makes it a little bit different trying to get to the NFL. So just very, very interesting to watch. And to your point, it's going to change every day. Well, you open that box, man. You open the Pandora's box on players opting out and this, that, and the other. Uh, one thing that I saw was really interesting. I was on the road Saturday uh, over the weekend going up to Charlotte for a kicking thing, and uh, I saw that Justin Fields was at the Georgia practice. Now, he gained his immediate eligibility at Ohio State because of the allegations that he felt threatened at the University of Georgia, if you recall that, with what a player, uh, a former baseball player who was kicked off campus had used the N-word or something like that while he was on the sideline, yet he was back at Georgia's practice on Saturday. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. Um, I, I, well, I didn't see video of him, but I, I heard about that as well. And it's very, very interesting because uh, obviously uh, Justin is from the state of Georgia. Um, now they've got some – I'll tell you, the, the calendar at Ohio State is a little bit different because they're on, I believe, unless they've changed. I know they used to be on what was called a quarter system, and so it was kind of interesting. They would go to school at a certain point, and then they'd be done before Thanksgiving – and they wouldn't go back till January. They had a lot of different things going on. Um, so I'm not sure if they're allegedly in class right now. Maybe they're virtual right now or what. But that is a very, very interesting thing. And that's what 
one of the things we talked about was, you know, do you allow these kids to transfer? And, and my response to that is I think you've got to be careful because, you know, Lane Kiffin made that comment, let these kids transfer. Well, that's great, Lane. And, that, and if I'm Justin Fields' dad, right, or, or I'm, you know, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year's dad, that's great for me. But if my kid is scholarship 84 at South Carolina and there's five dudes coming from Ohio State, hey, Will Muschamp, you're not going to call me at home and say, oh, I'm taking your kid's scholarship. That's not going to be very simple. That's not going to be a very easy conversation. So while Lane Kiffin was making that comment and, and, and theoretically looking out for players – and himself because he probably saw his own roster and realized what he did or didn't have. At the same time, if I'm one of those kids that are lower on his roster, I'm looking at him going, oh, so you're just ready to run me and a few of us out to bring in five or six dudes because this pandemic's going on. I think that's a dangerous, slippery slope as well. Yeah, and we ran out of time last week when you were on, and something I I talked to Richie about after the show was this. You know, right now going into preseason fall, Rosters are full because they just signed right. the max recruiting class they could get. Those 85 scholarships are taken. So for preferred walk-ons or, or, or those 80 through 85 guys, you know, they're a little concerned too because you just signed me. I'm on scholarship at least this year. And two, there's no scholarships to give out because, right. like I said, you know, you're coming into a full roster. Now we see the guys drop off the roster after the first season – Maybe they can't hack it. Maybe they saw the depth chart and saw that they, you know, maybe not be a contributor at the school they thought they should be. But this isn't the time of the year to be transferring because those rosters are full at 85. That's right. That's right. And, and, and if they're full, the only way you can get a kid in there is if you create space. And, I mean, we're, this is, today is September 1st. If you get sort of, for lack of a better term, run out of Clemson, because Justin Fields is going to show up or because, you know, insert running back's name or wide receiver's name here is going to show up, where are you going to land? Where are you going to land? Yeah. And so I, I think I think that's a slippery slope, and I'm glad, you know, I, I'm glad the NCAA did what they did. They said, you know what, if you opt out or you decide to sit out this year, you can get the eligibility year back. I think that was the best way to do it without creating a whole bunch of other problems. And I'll tell you, Louisville, when Petrino was there, he burned a ton of bridges uh, with the high school coaches in South Carolina. He signed a run, or had a running back committed uh, who went on to Wake Forest and do great things out of Dutch Fork High School. And the night before signing day, he said, oh, we don't have room for you. You need a gray shirt or you need to look around. And I'll tell you, you know, for if a Dabo or a Mustang or, or anybody, you know, uh, who's sitting at you know, some kids in state, and they cut one of those in-state kids to bring in a transfer from a Michigan or a Michigan State or Iowa, something like that, you're going to burn a lot of bridges. And that, that's some things that, you know, it, it touches on the outside of this, but, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you're just creating a, a really bad precedent for, you know, win now. And, and I know it's the coaches win now because their, their jobs depend on it, but you cut dudes 80 through 85, and let's say you cut an in-state dude, you gonna have some explaining to do when you make that ver- you make that tour around the state with the uh, alumni groups and all those high school coaches there. Oh, that's a great point, and and I'll give you I'll give you an anecdote for that point. Uh, if you go back to Rich Rodriguez when he left West Virginia, one of the reasons he left 
there was a big discord between him and the administration over the treatment of the high school coaches in the state of West Virginia. Now, let's do the math on this. The state of South Carolina or the state of Florida or, or Texas or California or Ohio, those, they're churning out 20-plus Power 5-level players every year. In the state of West Virginia, because the population is much smaller, you're probably staring at maybe two guys a year, three guys a year, five at the most, that are high Division One Power 5-level talents. And Rich Rod wanted to keep those kids in the state, and his main request was we need to essentially allow high school coaches to show up to our games on Saturday, enjoy the sideline or enjoy standing in the end zone, and thoroughly enjoy themselves for free because I need their help keeping the few kids in the state we get a year home. And if I can't get that, I got to go somewhere else. That was a big, big reason why Rich Rod left uh, Morgantown. And I I can actually uh, add something to that. Uh, I was a high school coach, a registered high school coach for the past three years in the state of South Carolina. Uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. took over as a recruiting coordinator for Spurrier, you know, in in, in the uh, twilight years. And uh, a lot of folks in the state felt like he burned a few bridges by only offering the kids from Florida and bringing those guys in and rolling out the red carpet. And a lot of coaches felt ignored. So what Muschamp did was um, he came in, uh, I don't know that it'll be this year because of the situation and and the limited tickets, but what Muschamp did was every Monday – they sent out an email to the head coach at every high school in the state of South Carolina and said, here's the passcode. Now, if you want to come to the game, you get two free tickets. It's on us. Uh, you know, you can sit with the parent, student section, um, the parent section with the parent players or in the end zone. But here's two free tickets. And if you show up at, you know, three hours early, come toward the facilities, come toward the weight room, you know, the locker room, that kind of stuff. You can uh, get into a positional meeting and kind of listen to it. And it was a special code, and you emailed uh, his secretary, and you could get those tickets. And you had a gate to come to. You know, they handed you your tickets, and you got to enjoy the game and see what it was about. And that was in part to rebuild those relationships in state. So it's kind of, you know, very similar to what Rich was trying to do. And didn't get, it sounds like he didn't get that support. That's right. And, and at the end of the day, I don't care what state you're in. You know, I, I've heard, you know, we've heard all the stories, right, from all these different coaches. Um, And I remember, I think it was, I think they said this was, you know, back in the years at Ohio State, uh, the phrase was build a fence around Ohio and recruit nationally. Um, And that's how it goes. You know, you build a fence around your state. And the way you do that is you, as you come together, you join hands essentially with all of the high school football coaches in the state to help you keep them at home. Now, of course, uh, for Will, he's also battling the Dabo monster, right? So he's got to get that better relationship a little bit more than Dabo. And so by doing that, by doing those little things, you're helping yourself create that pipeline to get more kids in your program. Now give us a, a rundown. I know uh, some of the schools that you're associated with up there is kind of getting some things going. And, uh, you know, some of the high school uh, area, I know North Carolina has been pushed back. We've been to a bunch of camps and seen some of those athletes, but, uh, what are you hearing up in the, uh, the Charlotte area as far as, uh, you know, the, the high school players, some of the uh, college teams? I, I know that uh, Charlotte's still trying to play, App State's still trying to play. Uh, so what's going on and what are you hearing up there? 
Yeah, everything looks good for the colleges right now. Uh, Charlotte, they, they did some different things in terms of bringing students back to campus to try to keep a little bit of a bubble atmosphere. Uh, it wasn't done solely for football reasons, but it certainly helped uh, the football process. Uh, Appalachian State, I thought very interesting uh, wide receiver, Corey Sutton, really, really good football player, um, hurt himself late last season, was going to be back healthy for this year. Uh, he just put out today that he's going to sit out 2020 and come back for 2021. Now, we'll see how that works itself out because, remember, this is a young man that was originally at Kansas State. So he's been in college now already. I, I believe this would have been his fifth year. Um, so he's going to go ahead and take that uh, essentially, I think, the sixth year, uh, which would be next year potentially unless he looks at some draft information and it says he should go. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with programs like App State if they have, you know, COVID case uh, uh, clusters. Uh, NC State, they're back practicing. Uh, East Carolina is now back practicing as well. But a lot of the colleges in the state, North Carolina had a stretch where they had to shut it down also due to some COVID cases. It seems like everybody's back on track, pushing towards the start of the season in the next couple of weeks, three weeks. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But right now, you know, Charlotte, it, they just put out, they just officially sent out uh, TV time windows uh, for their games as well. Um, I'm normally uh, their TV analyst. We'll see how that goes. Not sure yet if uh, restrictions are going to allow certain things. Uh, now, the governor of North Carolina did just come out about three hours ago, about three and a half hours ago, um, and moved the state of North Carolina to phase 2.5 uh, is what they're calling it. So they've allowed gathering sizes to be a little bigger. Now you can get up to 25, which I think is going to be important to see if they're going to allow us to come into the booth at Charlotte um, and do those games there or how they're going to play that out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But a lot of moving parts, but today's announcement by the governor, I think, gave people a little bit more hope because they, they loosened some restrictions. They're allowing gyms to reopen. Gyms have not been open essentially for six months. They're allowing them to reopen with a limited capacity, but they're allowing them to reopen. So I think that's going to start us down the path in North Carolina to potentially seeing uh, some things move a little bit faster. I don't know about uh, fall sports, but I certainly believe that the winter sports, maybe your basketballs, uh, they may have a chance to kind of start on time if things keep going in the direction they're going. Now, you mentioned uh, the Charlotte head coach there or, or the Charlotte program. Now, from what I've seen, uh, at least through, you know, some of the chatter and whatnot, is that that's a hot coach. Uh, he's building a great program there at Charlotte. I know he's got a ton of resources and things like that for a school of his size. Uh, but he seems to be like a coach that uh, I think a lot of the bigger programs are going to have their eye on uh, going forward. Uh, anything you're hearing about that, or what, are your, what is your perspective on, on him, uh, you know, as a coach and possibly getting that look at a bigger school? No, you're 100% right. Will Healy is doing a great job at, at Charlotte. Um, let's go back, right? So before Charlotte, uh, he was at Austin P, and he took over a program. I believe they had – well, I'll just say it this way. They had less than three wins over a five-year stretch before he got there. Uh, he got there. He took over. They struggled at first. His last year, I believe they were right around 500, maybe a game or two over, and he left, came to Charlotte. Last year, the team that he left at Austin P won that conference and found a way to get in the playoffs. He comes to Charlotte in his first year. They struggled early in the year. They absolutely did. 
They turned it around late, made the first, finished with a winning season, first bowl game in program history, and you start. And he even said after last year, "Yes, I got some calls. Yes, there are some schools that were great opportunities, but I don't think it's time for me to leave yet." And the key word in that sentence is yet. So they know that they're going to potentially lose him down the road, but he is marking it on his own. He doesn't want to jump too fast, take the wrong job, any of those types of situations. He wants to put himself in the right spot. And it's interesting because I go back to something that I saw from Pat Narduzzi, um, who was talking about his former assistant, Matt Canada. And he said he was telling other coaches to be patient in the business, take the right opportunities. He told Matt Canada years ago, don't take off sprinting out of here to jump to the next job, to jump to the next job, because you may not be ready. And next thing you know, Matt Canada bolts out of there, goes down to LSU, uh, or actually goes to, to, to uh, uh, Maryland first, ends up becoming the interim there and because of the DJ Durkin situation with the young man that died, and then he struggles there, and then he ends up at LSU. He's there for one year. Then Emsminger and, and, and Brady take over, so they run him out of there. And all of a sudden, Narduzzi's like, he did all this running. Yeah, he's getting a little bit more money, but now he's out of a job. And so I think Will Healy is kind of indirectly right listening to that sort of advice and understands that I don't need to leave too fast. I don't need to go to the wrong spot. I need to go to the right fit with the right opportunity to win, which is another reason why I think he came to Charlotte because he looked at the quarterback depth chart. He realized he had three guys coming back here or two guys coming back here that he knew had played college games. Evan Sheriffs, who, who had transferred from Miami, also, Chris Reynolds, the guy that they had uh, before Sheriff took over when Reynolds got hurt. And then he went and got a transfer and brought Brett Keene from South Florida. So he knew, you know, he had certain pieces. Charlotte was a fairly young football team. That gives you a chance to win and have sustained winning so you can build your recruiting. You can't keep jumping too fast and walk into a situation where you struggle early. Yeah, no doubt. Before I let you go, I know you, like you said, you've been covering the Charlotte area and Charlotte, uh, the University or uh, of UNC Charlotte. Uh, tell, tell me about the, a guy that I know really well, that running back Keegan, man. I saw some highlights from practice field today. Looks like he's uh, doing the same thing at that level, at least on the practice field that he did uh, here at Oceanside and uh, getting the ball in the end zone. Oh, yeah, they're fired up about him, and he can go. I mean, he can do everything you need him to do between the tackles, outside the tackles, catch the football. Um, but the one thing I always say about young backs, and this is the key, if you're a young back, if you don't want to pass protect, you will not play football. It's that simple. Because the game has changed so much. The, the ball is thrown so much. It's such a passing quarterback, wide receiver-driven game now. If you won't pass protect, you're going to find yourself in trouble and or sitting on the pine next to the coach. And, and from everything I, I've been able to ascertain is he's a willing and able blocker, just obviously got to improve at it as he continues to grow. But I tell young backs that all the time. Anybody ask me about a young back, whether it's a, a young kid in high school, uh, whether it's a, a freshman in college, or whether it's a rookie or a second year back in the NFL, son, if you're not going to pass protect, you're going to stand next to coach. You better get focused. I appreciate it, brother, and thanks for the insight. I'll, I'll definitely uh, pass the word along to him, too, and just to keep doing what he's doing. But as always, man, we thank you for the time. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to get on here and discuss football and, and sports and what's going on. 
either in the high school, college, or, or pro level. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, look forward to next week and uh, definitely stay in touch with you as, as things un- unfold, you know, with what's going on with the Big Ten. Just take care, brother. Absolutely, guys. And, and keep doing what you're doing for the high school football down in South Carolina as well. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see what's going on on the fields in South Carolina. I'm not far, that far away. I can slide over the border and maybe go watch a game. I'll have to show up with a mask and some gloves on, but I'll make that work. But, uh, guys, i tell you what. Take care of yourselves. Be safe down there. Avoid COVID for yourselves. Take care of your families. Until next week, we are. And that was the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. from uh, live from Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to hit a quick, quick, short break. And then we're bringing in uh, a guy from the Columbia area from the mid-state region of South Carolina. And Mike Overbussell will be right back, folks. And we're back, folks. We're live right now with Mike from uh, the Columbia area with Watch Fox uh, News there. Uh, he covers sports in the Columbia area. Uh, what's going on, Mike? How are we doing? Oh, we're doing great, man. We're just talking some football, talking some sports. We're uh, trying to – we spent the last uh, first part of the last segment, Reginald Walker, Jr. He covers sports up there in the Charlotte area. Uh, trying to discern he's a guy who played at Penn State. Uh, what's been going on with the uh, Big Ten litigation. We'll call it the litigation uh, phase of football uh, going on right now. But, um, you know, you're there in the Midlands area and cover sports. Uh, you guys got a lot of talent in that Midlands area. Uh, I know you saw some uh, skis of football kick off this past week. Uh, tell us what's been going on and what you've seen out there uh, covering sports in the Midlands area. Yeah, skis have got things going. Private school ball is playing right now. I mean, it's just weird to think about football not uh, really going on right now in terms of high school at this time of the year. I know that in different parts of the country, I know growing up in Massachusetts that they don't start until after Labor Day to begin with uh, in in terms of of normal years, obviously this year not being one of those years. So uh, it it was good. It was good to be able to see some of that action go on. Uh, Hammond was a school, of course. We know what Hammond's been able to do over the last couple of years, especially with Eric Kimbrey, the former Gamecock quarterback. He just, just, just does a tremendous job with that program. Um, Heathwood Hall was very impressive. Heathwood Hall is very impressive. I'm looking forward to being able to be on the call with Stacey Hughes. It's going to be our first Friday night rivals game of the year, our sixth season here at Watch Fox where we televise a game. Uh, we do that all season long. So we're looking forward to bringing that back Some skis of action. That's going to be Ben Lippin versus Heathwood Hall 
and people can be able to watch that action. If they're itching for football and there's not any going on in their area, you guys can watch it on watch.com slash live. So talk to us about uh, what you're seeing. I know at the high school level with the public schools, they've kind of entered a new phase uh, yesterday. Uh, So, you know, with the Midlands area, I know there's a couple teams that have some high-profile recruits, uh, some guys committed all the way down to Florida State and some powerhouse schools. Uh, What are you seeing in the Midlands area, and what are you looking forward to the most with uh, teams, coaches, or certain players going into the fall? Well, I think you have to start with Dutch Fork as a team in general. I mean, here's a team that's won four straight state championships. Tom Knotts, arguably the best coach, not just in the state of South Carolina, but one of the best in this just region. Uh, trying to be able to win a fifth state championship would be just incredible, just to continue to add to his legacy. But, of course, they they lost a lot of talent. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, you know, going to be playing at Tennessee this year. He lost your star quarterback. He's going to be at Clemson uh, for baseball this upcoming year. So you have some pieces to fill there. You have some pieces to fill. It's going to be a young offensive line, so that's going to be another challenge as well. But I think the big thing, too, is with Dutch Fork is just um, what can they do to be able to keep this streak going? I mean, what what can they do? Uh, 51-1-1 over the last four seasons is just incredible. So I think anytime you talk about public school football in South Carolina, it has to start with Dutch Fork. Uh, outside of that, I mean, there's going to be there's going to be – I think that the biggest challenge with everything going on for teams is just being able to find some type of rhythm, some type of consistency. Um, and I think that's, that can that can have an impact on some of these uh, games early on in the season. And now because, you know, you don't have as many out-of-conference, out-of-region games, what that could do to the playoff seeding and how that could affect teams. So uh, I, I think it's it's more open this year than ever before. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because of just how teams are built this year. I just think because just from consistency factor, it's going to be very difficult. So that's why being able to have veteran coaches, people that already have been there, uh, veterans in terms of being able to have some of those upperclassmen to understand the playbook already, you're going to be leaning towards those guys more than ever before because you're going to have to try to find that consistency right out of the gate because if you don't, you know, you don't have too many games this year in comparison to years past. You can't screw things up to get the season going. So looking at the uh, some schools in, in that area, uh, what are some of the schools or, or games, I'll say, what are some of those top-notch games you're looking forward to the most in covering for that area? Well, like I said, outside of Dutch Fork, when you're talking about public school football, uh, I think one of the more intriguing teams that we saw not just last season, but we've seen over the last couple of years be able to take some steps is the Sumter Gamecocks. The Sumter Fighting Gamecocks and you know, one of the kids I've been able to be able to get to know better over these last couple months is Nathan Harris Wainick, and just what a tremendous story he has. Uh, in and out of an orphan home uh, for the first 12 years of his life, he transferred over to Sumter last year as a junior, backup running back, and he ran for a thousand yards. And that offense, as a whole, was just impressive. Uh, there's a reason why they went undefeated during the regular season. That's a team that is built to be able to make another deep run. Uh, obviously not, not the easiest to be able to do with the size in, in terms of, of the, the division that they're in, but at the same time, too, yeah. they just they built to be able to make a deep run. Uh, that that's one They have a great quarterback, to too. Absolutely. But like I said, Nathan harris Wainick, he's a guy that, you know, I feel like is under the radar because Sumter's just in that kind of that funky no-man's land where it's tough to be able to get consistent coverage in comparison to some of the other places that are closer to either Greenville or, you know, closer to Columbia. 
but that's a guy you definitely want to keep an eye on this year. And as far as uh, some of the other schools, like I said, uh, you know, mentioned the guy that's uh, committed to uh, Florida State. He's got a twin brother that's a big-time recruit as well. Uh, but when you look over, there's another school that I thought could make a little run. We'll see how they play when they play Dutch Fork because they're in the same region, and that's uh, over at River Bluff and uh, Coach Harden's team. Yeah, River Bluff's another school that you can never count out. I mean, what they've been able to do over the last couple of years uh, in terms of just – you know, I, I feel like a lot of these schools, and Riverbluff's obviously one of the, you know, with the coaching changes that happen sometimes. So to be able to have the same coach there now the last couple of years, to be able to build off that, it's huge. And what we've seen, what they've been able to do is year after year, they're able to, to kind of get that next man up, next man up mentality at running back. They like to run the ball down your throat. They're not afraid to do it, and they know, uh, you know that it's coming your way. You have to be able to stop the run there. So uh, I think one of the things that has helped them out outside of being on the field is just that home field advantage. How, how is that going to be impacted this year? Because with regulations in terms of uh, being able to have fans in there, so it's going to be a little bit different. I tell people it's one of my favorite venues to be, venues to be able to watch a high school football game because of the atmosphere. So uh, it's just going to be different over there, but I, don't, I think one thing will remain the same. They're going to run the ball down your throat. Yeah, and I know they have great special teams, so that you know you always try to win two phases of the game, but it's all uh, at least two of the three. You want to win all three, but offense, defense, and special teams, uh, and that's one thing that uh, Dutch Fork has always excelled on. Um, but looking forward to some of the other schools in the area. I know we talked about some of the five A, but uh, let's look at some of the the smaller schools, some of the four A, three A schools in Columbia. Uh, they have some talent as well. Is there any teams you know in in the smaller regions? Uh, that you're looking at saying, you know, these guys can make a run because it's been a while since we've seen some of those smaller schools in that region, you know, take it to the next level and win that state title. I always like talking about River, uh, excuse me, Ridgeview. I think what Perry Parks has done over there the last couple seasons has just been incredible. Um, I know that they lost a lot of talent from that 2016 team, and it took some time to be able to rebuild it, but last year they were ready to go. Um, in the playoffs, sometimes they just, you know, they're, they're a player two away from being able to make a deep run. I think a lot of teams can say that, but it seems like they're always right there. They're always right there. So uh, Ridgeview is a team that I'm interested to see what they can be able to do. Um, some other schools, I like what AC Floor has been able to do in terms of being able to rebuild. Dustin Curtis coming back over from Westwood. Um, uh, he, he's, he's a guy that just gets it. He understands what he has to do to be able to get the best out of players. Um, being able to also have a guy like Perry Worth on, on the coaching staff to be able to work with some of those quarterbacks is a tremendous asset. I mean, anytime you can have a former Division One football player, especially a guy that played right down the street at USC, he knows he knows that position almost better than anyone that, I, that, I've, that I've been around. Um, and, you know, staff sometimes won't be able to tell the full story in terms of how he was able to play at USC but he just understands that position and being able to learn from a guy like Steve Spurrier won't, doesn't, doesn't hurt. Uh, so AC4 is another team I'd keep an eye on this year. But like I said, I, I think the thing is it's just so open this year. I know, you know, when you look at from a professional standpoint with some of these bubbles, uh, there's no home field advantage. And I think this year the difference with high school football is it's so open because that veteran leadership is just going to be so important just because I feel like some teams are going to fall behind early because they're just not going to be able to figure it out if they're a younger team. And, uh, you know, I agree with that, you know, especially with the Ridgeview. We've covered a lot of their players, and we've seen a lot of their players uh, up at some of the camps uh, that, that Southern Sports Central's covered, and I think they're bringing back a ton. Uh, 
let's move out of the high school ranks. And, uh, you know, you got a, a major Power 5 university there uh, where you cover with the Gamecocks. And uh, what are you seeing from Muschamp's uh, group this year? Uh, what do you think their uh, chances are? I know they got a tough schedule, a brutal schedule, uh, playing that only SEC schedule and some of the teams they picked up. Uh, what are you hearing and what are you seeing over there with the Gamecocks? I think it's more so, you know, what are you hearing than anything else? I mean, that's not that Muschamp likes to give us anything really anyway during uh, years past because they only let you go during the stretch period and the first couple periods of practice. But this year, shutting things down completely, and it's understandable with everything that's going on with coronavirus. But uh, from everything that I've been told, they love this offense. They love this offense that Mike Bobo's bringing in. Um, they, they like what Joe Cox is doing. And that's not saying that these, you know, with Brett, Brian, McClendon, Brian McClendon, the old offensive coordinator, that, you know, they didn't like what he was doing, but they just feel like there's just a new sense of energy. And we saw last season, especially the midway point of the year to the end of the season, it just looked like there was no energy on offense. Uh, so to be able to have some type of new life is huge. Uh, the quarterback competition is real. This isn't just coach talk when they say, well, you know, Colin Hill transferred in from Colorado State and, you know, he's just here uh, to be able to, you know, compete for the job. No, he's really here to compete for the job, and he's doing a great job too. He's pushing Ryan Holinsky. So, you know, I, I, if you asked me maybe two or three weeks ago, who would I expect to be the starting quarterback week one? I would have said no question, Holinsky. But right now, I think it's a toss-up. I truly believe it's a toss-up, and I would not be shocked if Colin Hill is the week one starter. So uh, I think that, that that's, great for, that's great for the offense. That's great for the team to be able to have guys be able to battle it out like that. Uh, and we can go back to Muschamp's first year when there was a quarterback competition. But I, I feel like the, the talent level is higher right now in comparison to the 2016 season. I think it's, it, you're going to see the best out of, uh, out of the offense. And a guy like Colin Hill, he knows this offense better than anyone because he's coming over from Colorado State. He played for Bobo. He understands what this offense is all about. But uh, Holinsky's done a tremendous job from everything that I've been told in terms of being able to pick things up. He's in the film room. He's just being a tremendous leader. And that's what you want to see, especially a guy that's only a sophomore. Yeah, and, and I've actually run into a tight end a couple times at one of the uh, at some of the kicking competitions and, and some of the specialists there. And one of the things that they report back is just how complicated and how in-depth this offense is. They said, you know, it, it's hard to learn, but once you get it, they feel like they can compete with anybody on the other side of the ball. And one of the things that they had mentioned was the difference in speed. You know, last year, uh, and it was no knock, like you said, on, on, on the former offense coordinator, but it was, you know, coming out of the huddle and not quite knowing the play because everything was fast, fast, fast. Now it's, you know, taking more of a huddle approach, and they have several options. It's going to be up to the quarterback to really know what those options are and to communicate that. So I think that probably lends a little bit towards Colin Hill, you know, a guy that already understands that type of offense, understands what his coach wants. And, uh, you know, I, I think he brings that experience to it. But, you know, like you said, I've heard, uh, I know some players on the team, um, and, and they report that, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge and it's a battle. But once you get it, you know, it, it's definitely an offense that they feel like they have several options and that they could uh, line up and compete at least with anybody on the other side of the ball. And, look, spring football, of course, was cut short. But Holinsky at that time said, I like this offense, and the main reason why I like this is because I feel like I have more control pre-snap. So whether you have Holinsky out there, whether you have a guy like Hill who has been in this system, unfortunately the guy has just been injury-prone uh, his entire career. I mean, it's incredible to think that a guy doesn't tear his ACL once 
not twice, but three times, and he's still out there. It's just incredible. So it speaks to the toughness that this guy has and whether or not he's the starter. I mean, that's a tremendous asset to have in your locker room. Uh, but being able to have that, that feeling, whether you're Holinsky or Hill or any quarterback for that matter, when you're talking about just the future of this offense, that's good to hear that a quarterback feels like he has that control because these last couple of years, you know, whether it was McClendon, when we go back to, you know, the Kurt Roper days, I can tell you that was just not the vibe uh, the players felt. They did not feel like they were in that same type of control. So, you know, I think that's great. And I think the other thing, too, is you're having guys that are stepping up that maybe some people – outside of that locker room weren't expecting to be able to make a presence right away. And one of those guys is the Division II transfer from Wingate, Jalen Brooks. And Brooks worked out during the summer with Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, and he said one of the things why he's picking up the USC offense as quickly as he is is because a lot of the stuff he did in the offseason with Jones is very similar to what USC is doing. So a lot of it is very similar concepts to an NFL-style offense. And I think – you know, we try to you try to look at what Colorado State was able to do during Bobo's tenure over there. You try to get an idea of, okay, what is this offense going to look here at USC? Well, I'm sure there's going to be some wrinkles that are going to be different, but it's going to be kind of this NFL-style offense. And, you know, if it can generate points, I know Gamecock fans will be excited about that because that's something that has been shortcoming over the last couple of years. And I think you would agree, you know, possibly that that's why they've had such an uptick in recruiting the quarterback position. You know, they just uh, got a commitment from the highest quarterback ever recruited to the University of South Carolina. And, by the way, you know, there's another guy that Rich and I met down at the Infinity Camp out of Georgia who's a a highly ranked four-star. So they have two guys coming in who are, uh, you know, these highly regarded, highly recruited, you know, passers. And uh, I think that's part of it. But uh, one thing you alluded to and mentioned was, uh, the, you know, the injuries. Now, I know we got the news that uh, five-star running back and a guy I think that a lot had pegged in as, you know, coming in as being the starter. Hadn't had a five-star running back since a guy named Lattimore. And I know the coaches and probably everybody in Gamecock fandom was looking forward to, you know, seeing the young man run the ball. But uh, so so he, we know, definitely know he's out um, uh, what are we looking at as far as injury-wise on the team and definitely uh, the running back position in particular? Well, I think there's no question about it. I'm gonna, I, when you had a guy like Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd, I think a lot of people expected him to be the number one guy. Number one guy, and, you know, you could, you could listen to the coaches say it and be like, all right, yeah, you know, he was competing for the job. It didn't necessarily mean he was going to get it. Uh, I, I think there's no question he would have been the number one guy. And when you talk about just presence, you know, you just talk about that, that energy, you know, kind of what we were talking about before. He brought that as a freshman. He goes back to just spring football with just uh, the way the coaches were talking about him, the way the teammates, his teammates were talking about him. So there's no question that's going to be a big loss. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, is that hurts a guy like Holinsky because it can take pressure off him. Um, and now, obviously, he's not going to be there. So I think that, you know, as much as it hurts USC, the reason why I think it hurts Holinsky a little bit more is, not saying that he's not capable of being the starting quarterback, but a guy like Hill who knows this offense inside and out already as Holinsky's continuing to learn it, uh, it, it, it would just take a little bit more pressure off him. Uh, I, think, I think from an injury standpoint, Ernest Jones, he's going to be, you know, he's been missing some time. He's going to be all right, though. Uh, he's going to be all right for the beginning of the season. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of this. You know, when you look at training camp and the way it's set up this year, 25 practices, that's normal but you have over 40-something days, 43, 44 days of training camp, which is just unheard of. 
um, that, in college. I mean, that's especially these days. I mean, that's like an NFL training camp right there. So uh, from an injury standpoint, USC, they're fairly healthy right now. Uh, Mush Champ just spoke on Saturday, didn't report any new injuries, which is good. Um, Ernest Jones, he has that appendix removed, but he'll be ready to go for the season opener. And a large part of that just has to do with the fact that, like I said, you have such a long training camp. But uh, being able to stay healthy is going to be critical for them because, you know, and this was a, this was something that Muschamp talked about before Lloyd's injury. You just don't know what could happen this year at any given moment with this coronavirus. You could sweep out an entire position. You need to be able to have guys that can play multiple positions. That's why they're experimenting with Doty playing receiver, and it looks like it's going pretty well. You need to be able to have guys that can kind of be interchangeable, not just the offense defense, but also playing an impact on special teams because the numbers for away games, they're not going to be traveling with the 70 players that they usually do. It's going to be closer to 50 is what Muschamp said. Live right now with Michael from uh, Watch Fox News there in Columbia. So, um, you know, like you were just starting to, you know, the travel schedule and whatnot, looking at the SEC, SEC schedule, uh, what are you kind of predicting for the Gamecocks? If you have a prediction uh, going forward, what are some of the games that maybe you see an upset or maybe you see, you know, a game that, that is a must-win? Is this a must-win season for, for Muschamp, even though given all the asterisks that will be applied to it? And then uh, when you're done with that, we'll talk about the uh, what you're hearing on the Big Ten situation. Yeah, I mean, I think I think regardless of how this season goes, I think Muschamp's going to be sent. Uh, the reason I say that is, can you imagine – if they buy out Muschamp's contract and then they have to get rid of a sport like men's soccer, who's going to be leaving Conference USA, and they have to get rid of one of these sports who isn't looked at as a moneymaker. Can you imagine how that alum of, of those guys that used to play for sports there, how those alumni are going to look at it or fans or parents? It's just, it just wouldn't send the right message. I'm not just saying men's soccer could be any sport. Uh, but, of course, then you factor in Title IX, it becomes a popsicle headache when you're trying to think, okay, this sport, that sport. But the point being is I think with the financial issues right now that the university, and not just the university, but all, all colleges are facing for the next couple of years, I, I just don't think it makes sense this year to do it. Uh, unless something just crazy happens, which I just can't foresee, uh, I think Muschamp will be all right regardless of how this season goes. In terms of must win. I've always been under the impression that every game's must win, but I think the first game of the year, more than any other game, is going to be must win because it's going to set the tone. It's going to set the tone. You're going to find out what this team's all about. Is this a team that's going to come out and show some fight this year and show progress with a new offensive coordinator, or is this going to be the type of team that we saw at the end of last season that's just going to fold it in? Uh, so I, I think that that game, more than anything, it's a night game. You know, regardless if you have 20,000 fans in there, no fans, whatever, you should be you should be amped up. You should be ready to go. Uh, so if USC comes out and they look flat, I don't think that's a good sign by any means. I think it could be a sign that we're in for a long season with them. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, I think, you know, you should be able to, to beat a team like Missouri. you got to be able to beat Kentucky. I mean, this is, this is a year that obviously when you talk about strength of schedule, it's always going to be tough in the SEC. Uh, and even though Clemson was kind of subbed out and you kind of have Auburn now, and that's the way I look at it as a replacement game, it's still going to be tough. But I think they should be still able to win six games this year, go six and four, um, and be able to potentially even pull off an upset down there. I mean, we saw what happened against Georgia. I mean, they have the capabilities 
of being able to beat some of these big boys. The problem is, for whatever reason, it's the games that they should win that they just haven't been able to just pull away. They struggle sometimes. So uh, until we see that Tennessee game, I, I, I'm just I'm just skeptical to know what type of team this is going to be because like in years past, it feels like every time you think you know something about this football program, they do the complete opposite. Yeah, I agree, man. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to Rich and I recovering the uh, the SEC lineup, and that was the game that we had as a toss-up. I know uh, we both think that Tennessee's done a great job recruiting. He's building brick by brick, and that's taken from his uh, predecessor there at Tennessee. But, you know, Pruitt's done a great job. And one thing he's focused on is recruiting the state of South Carolina. He's got a couple dudes on his uh, roster from the state of South Carolina looking for big impact. They're in the Columbia region and Myrtle Beach and whatnot. But uh, uh, let's let, let's look at another uh, conference, and that's the Big Ten. What have uh, you been following with the Big Ten? We'll call it the Big Ten litigation. And, uh, you know, with the things that were said Monday, I know we didn't see the actual filing, so we never really got proof of that vote. But uh, what are you hearing and what are you seeing about the Big Ten? Well, I kind of feel like it's like we've seen with this coronavirus. Every day you wake up and it feels like it's just something new is coming out, that everything you think you knew – day before isn't necessarily the same thing the next day. Um, I, I think it's, we're in a situation right now at the Big Ten where they're seeing what's going on, or especially their parents, especially these student athletes. They're trying to create that pressure of, hey, we want to play. We want to play. And I, think, I feel like the Big Ten is in a situation now where it's like if you pull back, if you pull back and you say, okay, we're going to play – you know, I know Dan Patrick, the Dan Patrick show reported that there's a possibility that they could be playing in October, starting the season then. If you pull back, what message does that send to the rest of your league? What message does that send to your student athletes in terms of how you went about it? Because whether you agree or disagree with it, they made a decision, just like any type of decision in life. They made a decision. But now you're going to pull back and you have the possibility of changing and flipping your mind less than a month later. What provoked you to do that? And, now, you know, we, not to make it political, of course, you know, the president gets involved with it. But the point being is at the end of the day, you're the one that has to make that decision. So I think right now um, I, I, still, I still think it would, be, it would be difficult for the Big Ten to be able to flip things around in terms of just getting guys ready to go uh, because, I mean, this isn't high school football. Being able to get guys ready in 30, 40 days, it's not the same like in, in college, especially Big Ten football. Um, I think you're going to have to give guys plenty of time to be able to get ready because not every team has been doing things the same exact way. Not every team is going out there holding some type of conditioning or practice every day. So I just, I'm interested to just see how things, how quickly things move. But like I said before, just because we heard this stuff today, just like we heard this stuff yesterday, I would not be shocked if come next week, things are completely different because it just seems like the wind's blowing in eight different directions in the Big Ten. And I'm just thankful that we're in SEC country because I can't even imagine dealing with that popsicle headache. Yeah, and we've dealt with that, you know, from the SEC level uh, all the way down to the high school level here in South Carolina. I know you're in Columbia, which is home of the high, South Carolina High School League, and we've seen a, a bunch of flip-flops and changes and, you know, schedules and proposals and votes and then – taking things to the pellet level and who should practice and not and win. So it's been a pretty yeah. crazy uh, off season, you know, no doubt. And, you know, for, for people who like us who cover sports and there, while there hadn't been a lot of live action games, we certainly had a lot to cover just because of 
you know, like you said, one day the wind blows west and the next day it blows east. So it's definitely been a lot to cover and a lot to follow. Uh, and then tomorrow it changes direction again. But um, just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do for 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 the especially for the kids in in the middle or the middle of the state in that kind of uh, middle region, Columbia area, South Carolina, covering the uh, Gamecocks as well as well as uh, many other teams. And uh, just want to say, you know, we appreciate all you do. We appreciate you coming on Sports Central and kind of giving us your thoughts and opinions. And uh, definitely looking forward to having you on, especially once these um, uh, public schools kick off because there's so much to cover. You know, we'll we'll be all over the state, but. You know, for a guy like you who has eyes and ears and boots on the ground, we'll definitely look forward to getting you in here and covering what you see and what you've heard on the high school level, especially there because it's so hard to cover with so many teams and so many athletes competing. But, um, again, man, stay safe. Uh, we appreciate all you do, and uh, we we'll just look forward to catching up with you very soon. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, folks, we're headed to a break. Uh, after break, we'll be bringing in Mr. Joe Hughes, so uh, stay tuned. We'll be a short break. All right, folks, we're live right back now. we got got uh, Richie back in. He's uh, done with his meetings for the afternoon. We've had some uh, some sponsorships going on, and uh, Richie's been trying to handle that while I've been producing and hitting the buttons, and Richie's been hitting buttons. And uh, we just had a great guest follow-up uh, with Mike Uber from the Midlands area. And right uh, now we're bringing uh, Mr. Joe Hughes. 
Uh, you with us, Joe? I am. You'll probably hear my daughter in the background a little bit, too. She's uh, <laughs> it's, it's no, anxious. Thing. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I'm going to turn you back over to Richie. I got the SEC uh, uh, now on in my background, so it's all good, man. I'm trying to keep up with what's going on, but I'm going to hand you back over to Richie, and uh, here we go, folks. All right, Joe, man, first of all, welcome back to Southern Sports Central. For the listeners, I know Eugene, let's give him a round of applause. He's done a hell of a job for the first hour and a half, and uh, I, hopefully I set you up, Eugene, for a nice spike, my friend, because I gave you three solid guests, and now, of course, we're going to travel on the border, if you will, to North and South Carolina with one of my great buddies from the Grand Strand that we spent some time together over there doing some media stuff, and that is Joe Hughes. He works over there for the Gaston Gazette and the Shelby Star. Uh, yeah. The little one in the background, man, that adds flavor flavor to the show because we are a family-friendly show. Joe, so thanks for bringing the extra sound effect, my friend. No doubt. I'm sure – I am sure she will have some extra sound effects and bring it bring up. <laughs> and if you have it. <laughs> there it is. I love it, man. So, uh, first of all, uh, hopefully you, the family, are doing well. If football season – you know, the left side of you that lives in South Carolina has got to be pretty excited, but the right side of you, man, it's kind of dangerous waters in North Carolina, man. How, I guess it's kind of nice for you, man, because some job security, because while you cover stuff in South Carolina up there in Rock Hill, and we're going to talk about some high school Friday night lights in that region bringing you in here tonight, it, it's got to be very busy, and you know at least coming in the February time, you'll be crossing the border, and you'll be just as busy as you'll be doing – football in February, uh, which is something I think pretty cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird feeling it's because you're, you're so geared and you're a creature of habit and everything is, hey, let's, let's have everything going for the fall. Clear out your schedule Friday and Saturday for the fall. Let's go ahead and do this. And now I'm having to figure out exactly how to kick the can down the road a little bit and try to figure out exactly what my schedule is supposed to look like. And of course, of course, uh, with Clover being what it is and playing in a new, in a new conference here coming up. Yeah. It's, it is definitely a weird time, but uh, I'm certainly happy to to have it. (laughs) Yeah. and, And you know, and I saw this where the Panthers talking NFL in the state of North Carolina will not have any fans, and, and there are some fans here in South Carolina, be it at Fort Dorchester, because they're playing the Oakland Raiders, by the way, who have a ton of Fort Dorchester guys. They've got this guy named Hunter Renfro from Myrtle Beach area at Sockestee. They won't be able to watch it. And I tell you what, they would have sold a ton of tickets for Raider Nation during that time. And I saw, I think, Wake Forest told Clemson there's no fans. So while there is football in the fall in college and in pro they're not going to open the gates and the doors to the fans. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and, and, and that transition as uh, even though you get one, you're not getting both at the same time? Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it, as you can kind of tell with, by watching things on TV, whether it be uh, basketball, hockey, uh, soccer, heck, even, even wrestling, uh, things, things are different. And, I can only imagine how it's going to look with, with with football because unlike these other ones, you can actually add something to it um, that actually adds kind of a human effect to it. This was, I, this one would probably be more like baseball, where you actually the only sound that you're going to hear is going to be produced by the 
by the actual players themselves. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look, sound like. It's going to take some getting used to, but as as usually is the case around these, around these times, something is better than nothing. We're live right now with Joe Hughes. He's a sports writer over there for the Gaston Gazette and the Shelby Star. That, of course, covers North and South Carolina. Now, there is no high school football in the fall in North Carolina. They're going to come time, I believe, around the fall. But, of course, the college and the pro ranks will be busy. So, he'll be covering at least that action when it gets up and running. Now, he also covers around Rock Hill, which they are playing football. And there's some other schools around that border into South Carolina, Joe. Uh, update us, educate us, and entertain us with the schools up there. And we'll start in 5A. Uh, tell us about some of the big hitters over there in 5A that, that we need here on Southern Sports Central to keep an eye on with a shortened seven-game season as the playoffs look to be the first two in you're in. Everybody else uh, is going to be watching starting that first week. But uh, who do you think is going to benefit from this uh, this smaller schedule starting in 5A? Uh <laughs> That's a good question, in, in part because of how the regions have, have basically shifted and changed. You, under, under normal circumstances, you have Clover, Northwestern, Rock Hill in the same region. Now you have Clover bunched up with Boiling Springs, Fort Mill, Gaffney, and Nation Ford, while you have Northwestern and Rock Hill that are going to Columbia and playing Blythewood and Ridgeview in Spring Valley. Hmm. You... These are these are a lot of things that you used to think of as a dream matchup and things like that, but now you, it looks totally different just because of the whole dynamic of of this. Of course, Clover Clover has basically had turnover out the wazoo in terms of personnel, so they are a huge question mark coming into the season. And of course, Gaffney is already loaded as is, and if if they win that who if they win that that league. Watch out. I really think Gaffney has a chance. When it comes to um, Region 4, looking at that, it just – that's just a toss-up all around. It's, it, there's talent talent everywhere on each team, but on any given Friday night, you're just wondering, hey, what, which one is going to come out? And then you have all these these rivalry matchups in between them. Blythewood and Ridgeview are, are basically about – seven, eight miles apart. Of course, being a, a Ridgeview graduate myself, that's kind of a rivalry game in itself. Spring Valley's in the conference as well. Spring Valley's about five miles from, from Ridgeview. So week in, week out, it is going to be something going in, in that conference, and it's going to be fun to watch. We're live right now, of course, with Joe Hughes. Of course, he's uh, double duty. He's on daddy duty tonight as well as Southern Sports Central duty, helping us getting this educated and, of course, ready to rock and roll. Now, you know, Joe, when you look at it, we've kind of gotten into that 1.5 between the 2.0s, and, and let's just be honest here, in the next few weeks, I would imagine, uh, you know, things will be back to football, if you will. Pads, helmets, you name it, they'll be putting it on here. Uh, yeah, What's your thought of how we've handled it here in the state of South Carolina when it comes down to finally pulling the opportunity together? I guess that's the best terminology and now getting everybody on the same page. And what I mean by that, and this is kind of the question I'm asking you, you got a lot of schools who never stopped practicing. Berkeley County was one of those. The charter schools was one of those. These guys ought to be in some of the greatest shapes. Now you're seeing 
everybody else at this point, I believe, minus one or two schools that determined not to play. What's your thought process on where we are physically, emotionally, and realistically talk about the health of these young men because it is hot. It was a hot one today. I was actually out on the field myself. Yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling because the whole thing the whole thing is before even before these games start are what is the one thing we all say everyone we want to be safe everyone we pray that everyone uh, leaves under their own power of course with with this whole covid situation it kind of throws a little bit of that into flux and it, but it also is like uh man and you're looking at what other states are doing and you're wondering, hey, can we get that done here? If we get that done here, hey, we if they can get it done there, we can get it done here too. Like, for example, Alabama's been through two weeks already. Haven't right. had much of, much of anything over there. Georgia's a whole different cluster. Let's not even – don't even put Georgia <laughs> yeah. there because it, it's just a total mess. But if, if South Carolina's kind of able to look at what Alabama did, kind of replicate that a little bit, Everything can go as as they wanted to. Of course, Alabama's going to end up playing the full season. Like that wasn't going to happen anyway. But right. South Carolina, there there are things that I, I liked and didn't like about the whole thing. I think last time I was on, we talked about kind of the lack of transparency in terms of the decision making. But mm-hmm. the big the biggest thing was, hey, we want to give our kids a chance to play. And up to this point, that's what it looks like where the, where the momentum is going, and hopefully it remains in that in that way. We're live right now with Joe Hughes. He's a sports writer over there for the Gaston Gazette, Shelby Star, and a huge contributor right here on Southern Sports Central. Now, I got to tell you, Joe, I've actually been fortunate enough uh, with Southern Sports Central covering the youth at not one but two weekends in a row where they've had these jamborees. And uh, what does that mean? Well, that means there's a bunch of kids playing a bunch of football. They got mamas, daddies, and grandmas, and the neighbors next door come out to watch little Johnny go. Now, if they can do it at the ages between 6 and 14, I don't see why they're allowing or not allowing these high schoolers to not come out and do it. Your, Your thoughts on the transparency there when it comes down to what's good for one, wait, not good for everyone. It comes down to money and uh, legalese. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to public sc- public schools and uh, things like the high school league, of course they're going to err on the side of caution because there's legal framework in all of this. With with a lot of these other deals, you're, you're basically saying, hey, you're signing your you're kind of signing your life over. <laughs> Because you're volunteering your services, and fortunately, and I think that's probably one of the bigger success stories is the fact that despite these things kind of going on, particularly on the basketball side, where things are going on inside of venues week week in and week out, we're the biggest success story is that more didn't didn't come of that, and the fact that we actually saw some good things happen out of that. Will that will that can kind of continue? Of course, all it takes is one case. But I'm just happy that that they were able to put these things on. The kids were able to enjoy themselves, unwind, get out the house, do something that that was normal for uh, for themselves. 
But of course, there's still going to be there's still going to be some of that caution and uh, you know and just basically wanting to make sure that everyone is safe. But that's to be understood. It's it's just a different time. Everyone's got to play this that and the other. No, I, I totally agree with you, Joe. And and again, I I, I agree a hundred percent with your response there. And I kind of knew you were going to get into that angle with it. it. It is on a different level, realistically, for different reasons. You know, of course, one's played on, on a private ground, if you will. One's played on a pri- uh, on a public field. I mean, there's definitely uh, some similarities when it comes to the game. But after that, it does begin a little bit more complicated for those in a legal field. So yeah, I, I, I would understand that now. Your thoughts on playing the seven-game schedule, and if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me because I know you've, uh, you and I have uh, put in some hours on this thing called Zoom, and we've also watched, uh, you know, a lot of the high school league here in South Carolina. First two, they, I guess, are on the top of the region board. That's supposed to get in. There's got to be, at some point, a wild card for somebody because these things aren't going to be equal if that's the case. And I guess the other, the other answer here is playing the region games early. How do you think these coaches handle the final two games that are non-region play? I think some of that just depends on how banged up their their roster is. Uh, injuries are going to happen. <laughs> at the lower at the lower the lower ranks, one A, two A. If the, if if the seeding is what I think it is, and they're able to kind of just go into it without having to make any new momentum or has to try to get into a ranking system involving points. Hey, all bets are off. Let's let's just hold it. Let's hold our guys off. But if they need the momentum, some teams might need it to just hit and get in their rhythm. It it's gonna it's gonna that is gonna be something that is very interesting to see just because of this strange season and what all we're dealing with and some decisions are just gonna be totally off. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to be. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing exactly how that happens. Because some are some are going to, some are just going to totally mail it in. Say, hey, we'll, we'll just punt to the playoffs. Others are going to say, hey, let's let's keep let's keep fine tuning ourselves. We still got work stuff to work on, and or just simply the fact of, man, we every time we suit up, we play to win. Right. Or whether they suit up in that non-region game is now because of different classification. As you will see, if I'm not mistaken, could be a team like the Upstate where Malden could be playing Greenville on the October 17th, and I don't have the region in front of me, but I think they're in different regions, if they are or if they aren't. But there could be a scenario like that, right, where you could see a Stockasee playing Myrtle Beach, where we both know one's five, one's four. I'm pretty sure Myrtle Beach isn't going to lay down for the Braves to come marching in and take home a W and vice versa for the Stockasee Braves, right? <laughs> Not whatsoever. It's, it, those things are have more going on than what's going on between the, those lines. Those those type of rivalries they go into neighborhoods, they go to the workplaces, they go into Walmart. You know that you're prepared. Oh yeah, it's definitely a big deal. Let me ask you this though, and, and final thing, because I want to let you get back to the little one, and I appreciate you giving us the time tonight and double duty here as we're live with Joe Hughes, a big-time contributor from many years here on Southern Sports Central that covers for a couple of newspapers up there on the lines of North and South Carolina. Now, 
Joe, when you, when yesterday or midnight hit just the, almost, what, now 24 hours ago, we're almost on 24 hours of the day, it was an open window for the class of 22. And these juniors, it was Christmas morning this morning when they woke up and looked in their emails and looked in certain areas where you've seen quite a creative crew, by the way, of the colleges where they actually have gone out and hired some designers. Because I'm telling you, in my day of play, and it was never as cool as this, of course, a lot of things have changed between my days and your days and now today. But what's your thought of the class of 22? I know the 21 class is pretty heavy, but it seems like the state of South Carolina, man, it is locked and loaded from offense to defense. And, man, do we got some special team kickers and returners as well, man. Uh, North and South Carolina are just absolutely, man, chock full of talent. It is absolutely absurd. Of course, you I think we talked about this on on end as well, kind of going to the camps that we go to, just seeing a lot of those talents from out, from South Carolina and North Carolina just compete. It is refreshing to see. <laughs> These guys are just going at it and putting in the work. And, man, seeing, seeing all those things that these colleges are doing, of course, they got to set their game up now anyway. Recruiting is virtual. Uh, so they're having to – whether it be putting it, getting creative with their uh, with their offers, or whether it be putting together virtual visits, virtual visits have basically been the thing this this time around, just because COVID has shut down a lot of uh, a lot of these these recruiting periods. So, with that in mind, a lot of these schools are they're pulling out all the stops just to make sure that they get the guys that they want. Live right now, Joe Hughes joins us all the way from the state line, and that is North and South Carolina. He covers the high school front in the state of North Carolina with us. He covers it right there in the Rock Hill and across the state. Quite frankly, the man has been around for a while. He's seen a lot of talent between many counties, many regions, and all throughout multiple states. Joe, we appreciate your time. How do they find you, man? How do they get to you and ask you a few other questions off the air once you go back to daddy duty, brother? Yeah, best best way to do it is on Twitter, Joe L Hughes the second, the two eyes for the second. Uh, you, of course, I haven't been on there lately. Of course, school starting, kids first. So, uh, been been trying to get get my kids together on that. But uh, I look forward to getting back on Twitter, getting back to discussing a little bit of everything, whether it be playoff basketball, high school sports in particular, college sports shoot. Any, any and everything. I'm all game for it. So, um, Brother, thank you uh, again for, for all that you have done for the kids in high school between North and South Carolina. I know the, uh, the, the people there in Georgetown, Horry County, and a few other counties across the way uh, have always been very thankful for the energy and time that not only you've put in, but the time that your family has allowed you to give us here, not only on Southern Sports Central, buddy, but uh, God bless. Take care, and we look forward to getting you back in here hopefully next week to talk a little more high school football. You got it, bro. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get much better than a five-star guy like that one right there. Of course, he is Joe L. Hughes. You can find him over there uh, on social media at Twitter, at Joe L. Hughes II. Check him out. And, uh, again, we, of course, always appreciate him. Eugene? I'm going to bring you back in here with us, brother, because, uh, first of all, I gave you some accolades uh, when you brought me in 
and you did a great job tonight so far, buddy. You've covered a lot. I know you had, uh, of course, started with Cole Bryson, uh, a, a big-time guy who's contributed a lot here on Southern Sports Central for many years. He's a young man who, by the way, was at Boiling Springs at 15 years old. 15 years old, first time he ever made an appearance here on Southern Sports Central, and he was traveling with the Boiling Springs radio team in Somerville, was playing them in the playoffs. And, of course, he had come on the show and had uh, talked up state stuff, talked a lot of Boiling Springs. It was his dream. It was his vision in high school over at Boiling Springs to, to do what we do. And now he's doing it, by the way, uh, with ESPN Update. And he covers, of course, he is the voice of uh, of a big team up there that you guys would know where Marcus Lattimore, of course, uh, did some, uh, some some really big things. And uh, being up there now covering uh, a big-time 5A program like Burns High School is, uh, is, is a lot of responsibility. And everybody knows up there in that side of the world who this man is because of uh, his affiliation with that team up there in the upstate. Uh, of course, uh, he's uh, got a lot of great things going for him. And then right after him, we got in here with uh, a guy who is always, and I mean always, uh, all point to help us out and do great things here with us. Of course, uh, you, you can't say it w- w- without it. And, uh, again, Eugene, you've done a great job covering him. And then you got Mike Huva in here and, and a few other great uh, interviews. But uh, great job here tonight, my friend. Yeah, man, it's, it's always great to have Reggie in. Uh, he comes in at 630. It's kind of a, a button um, on every Tuesday night, man, because it, it, he just brings so much with uh, – you know, the high school level, the professional level, the college level. He's involved with all those teams in the Charlotte area and, and just has his ear to the uh, to, to the streets when it comes to uh, sports, whether it be high school, college, and, and, of course, that professional level. So, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great show so far. we got two hours in the books with another hour left. we got some uh, big guys coming in. we got the high school blitz. It's been a heck of a partnership with those guys and covering these camps and things like that. You know, uh, we had Miss B uh, representing them up in Charlotte last week, and so uh, ready to flip this thing and hit this last hour and uh, finish strong. Yeah, no doubt. Again, of course, uh, you know, I want to give Reggie all the love in the world because not only does he do a lot on some TV up there in Charlotte, he's also uh, a TV and radio personality for UNC Charlotte and Gardner-Webb. So that's a lot of uh, appreciation for him giving us the time. And, oh, remember, he played for Joe Pa and the Nittany Lions back in the day. So he brings a ton of knowledge and a ton of uh, experience here to the show. And I want to appreciate him. And of course, like I mentioned, Mike Uva and Joe Hughes, who just left us just moments ago. Now, coming up, Ken Brown is going to join us from the South Carolina High School Blitz. That's the partner up there in the upstate of Southern Sports Central. Uh, we are very blessed to announce the course, and he and I will talk about this tonight, is we are going to have a senior bowl in the low country. What does that mean? That means the teams from the upstate going against the team from the lower state, and it is going to be a five-star event. Stay tuned for that conversation. We're also going to talk to uh, the big man about, well, the class of 2021 20, and 22, because 22 has hit the clock as of last night at midnight. So that conversation is going to happen, and why not? bring in a a five-star dude to us. We rank him at five-star. He's a wide receiver from Myrtle Beach, class of 22. Mr. Adam Randall will join us around that same time. And guess what? This young man, just like his teammate, Mr. J.J. Jones, who was heading to North Carolina, we think actually in January because he's the class of 21. But this young man has gotten an offer from Clemson University. Dabo has come calling. And that right there alone speaks volumes of this young man because the uh, Clemson 
crew doesn't do a whole lot here in the state of South Carolina. So if you can get an offer from the big man over there in Clemson and the Tiger Town, that, my friends, says enough. Let's go to a quick one. Reset. Top of the hour is upon us. Hour three. Right after this, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yeltman here live on Southern Sports Central as we are, of course, uh, ready for our number three. We're going to wait here. I believe Mr. Ken's still trying to work his way in. Eugene, I know you're working the board. Uh, who do we have on the line and who's ready to jump in here with us here at the top of our number three, buddy? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you. Ken, you with us? I'm with you, but I get a lot of static, man. It was just real staticky. Yeah. Yeah, we're just trying to mesh everything in here, man. I'm actually trying to get everything <laughs> online here with you now, buddy. But, uh, of course, we are live. How about that? Kim Brown has joined us here on Southern Sports Central. He is the big man when it comes down to the South Carolina High School Blitz, a partner with Southern Sports Central. So, uh, Ken, first of all, man, I am greatly honored to be partnered up with you and your team and bringing our families together as one. As they say up there, uh, of course, um, up in Clemson, where you guys are located, man. But uh, I just wanted to personally, on the record, off the record, and on Southern Sports Central, say thanks for allowing us to, to join you guys, and we welcome you guys on our team as well, buddy. Man, we're glad to have you, man. You just make our team even stronger. You know, we everybody on everybody on the staff is glad to have you. We talked about everything, and glad to bring you on, and welcome to the family, man. No doubt about it. But we've got a lot of things going on. I know we're going to bring in a young man from Myrtle Beach here in, in, in just a few. And with that being said, of course, uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement happening around Southern Sports Central and the high school blitz because we got a lot of things working behind the scene. And that's the one thing I'm going to tell everybody that's listening. We're not a company as one, Southern Sports Central, and we don't look for recognition through social media. We don't push this, that, and the other. Our social media is excited when we see a young man get an offer, and we know at one point 
we had a conversation with them. We were blessed enough to cross paths. And I'll kind of let you touch yes. on that a little bit because uh, I want you to have a voice, and that's why we partnered up here at Southern Sports Central to give not only others, but, of course, you guys over there at the High School Blitz an opportunity to speak on that. Well, that's what that's that's a good thing about us. We we work behind the scenes like crazy. Now I got a the staff is crazy. You know, like you take Sutton recruiting coordinator Coach B. You know, if you, any of you guys are listening, if you ain't following, go out go out and follow him. Uh, he he's been on the horn since yesterday. It's it's like every day, you know, talking to coaches and stuff, and then just just today alone, um, you know, just today alone, you got you know you got Akron, Toledo, Minnesota, Morgan State, UNLV, Bethune Cookman, uh, and that was just to mention a few schools that you know been in contact with today about our, you know about the twenty two kids, and we don't, you know, when these kids post those offers, that's you know that's what we love to see. You ain't gonna never see us going on there and and trying to take credit for any kid ever. That just we just don't do that. And you see that with a lot of guys that doing that. And when when guys start doing that, trying to take credit for something, those kids working their butt off, hitting camps and training and stuff like that. And then you you try to take their shine away, and then you know shame on you. You shouldn't do that. And that's what that's one thing we don't do. And you see it all the time. I see it all the time. And it's just gonna get right. worse because you know you got so many guys that's trying to get in and stuff. And our our inbox stays full of guys want us to share stuff. And hey man, can y'all do this? Can y'all help us do this? And and you know and you you, you can go look at the Twitter page and know what they're all about because it's all about me 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 and I'm a trendsetter this and I'm a this and oh I, people <laughs> co- trying to copy me blah blah blah. And you know you like really <laughs> you know you know and people don't if you got it like my mom said if you gotta say it that means you ain't bleep you know. So you know we don't do that. You know we behind the scenes working, and you know once these kids get to get to rolling, hey, we on to the next group of kids trying to get them guys going, and and you know all those offers are coming in today and stuff, man, and that's awesome. You know and we're still talking to coaches, and they like, well, one coach wants this one school like, yeah, hey, I, I want to offer this cat, man. But you think you're gonna leave the state? And like, hey, go ahead and offer him. You know you never know. You know, we reached out to the right. player. Hey, you know, this guy want to offer you. He's like, hey, you know, find me. Let him offer me, you know, and I'll, I'll take a look at it. You know, and then when these visits open back up, these kids go take these visits. But that's what we love to do. We absolutely love talking to coaches, talking to players. And you, I'm telling you, it's nothing like being in a store or, or, you know, anywhere and hearing kids talk about, you know, high school blitz and stuff. And, and they don't know who you are standing there. And that's what I love about it, you know. It ain't, oh, it's yeah. not about us. It's about those kids. It's about those kids. And um, it's just done that. And, you know, it's just going to get bigger. And, it's, you know, it, it grows every day. You know, we, we had a bunch of new followers today, a bunch of new coaches and stuff. And, and uh, we're about to hook up with a lot of coaches from Oregon, too. But a bunch of new um, coaches and stuff following us today and everything. And, and um, I, I mean, it's just with this – I think with this Junior Showcase game getting ready to kick off, uh, and, mm-hmm. and these coaches can, and that's another thing I want to touch on too. Was um, had a, a guy actually day was, you know, wanting to uh, want you guys uh, put out rankings of players like such and such do, and 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 he asked Miss V about it, and uh, and my response was we don't do that because, if, in my opinion, you can't rank eighty kids, hundred kids, fifty kids if you ain't seen them play in person. You, you just can't. You can, but how legit is it? Because you know, and I know, you can go to a game, this kid that's saying, oh, man, this kid's this and that and that, and you go to the game, you're like, well, well huh. So this kid's really not all that, but, you know, because you're going by what everybody else say. 
So they'll sit down in front of the computer and watch, you know, you know, film, 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 and think this kid is, and then and try to make a ranking off of that. And you can't, I mean, they do it, but in my opinion, I'm not going to sit down and watch 20 highlights of 20 different kids and then sit there and try to rank them. So I, this guy's number one, this guy's number two, this guy's number three. I want to go see it. Now, I can give you my rankings of the kids I've seen in person. Yeah, I go out and do that all day long. And I can tell you, oh, I've seen this kid ball in person. This kid can ball, you know. And when and I think that's what's going to help out with the junior showcase game because we're going to have the top 88 juniors in the state. And then after that game is done and then doing practice because all these colleges want this practice, man, you can actually say, okay, we had four quarterbacks. And so this is the number one, number two, number three, number four. We had all these running backs and just – you can you can you can rank each position. Then you can rank the best players overall because you've seen them play. You see where I'm coming from. Right. So don't oh, yeah. you know? And I I had a couple guys message us on Twitter and they said, look, I got this list. My son was ranked so and so. How legit is this? I said, I said, look, that's you know. I'm just gonna tell you, uh, that's a you know that's a lot of. Mine just dropped. Ken Brown. Ken, of course, was just joined us here uh, from the high school blitz. Uh, maybe lost his call there. Uh, of course, Ken is the uh, the man behind all the madness over there at the South Carolina High School Blitz. Uh, he'll get back in here with us in, in just a few. But we do want to go ahead and turn uh, to a young man who was part of this class of 22 who woke up at some point in the last 24 hours and uh, was offered from Clemson, University, of course, that's over there in Myrtle Beach, Mr. Adam Randall. He is a four-star wide receiver playing uh, for the coming men. And, uh, Adam, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, congratulations on your offer. Uh, kind of give you a short story here, my man. I actually grew up there uh, in uh, Myrtle Beach. I went to Sackestee down the road from you. Of course, I, and I played yep. against you. Your high school football coach. So I've got a, yep. I've got some familiar names and faces over there. Your defensive coordinator, Coach J O, uh, Coach Owens, and I go way back as well, man. But yep. uh, what's in the water up there, man? Then uh, in Myrtle Beach, man, you guys are just throwing talent out day after day and year after year. And you're another receiver who uh, has made a major headline. And congratulations on the one today getting that offer from Clemson. Um. Yes, sir. Uh, what we have at Murder Beach, we have a great program. Um, ever since, uh, like, growing up in the rec league, uh, we have the same the same routes and the same playbook. So once the kids um, get up to, like, the they move up levels, they uh, can record feel with the uh, same plays and same things that they're doing. So they have a, a simple understanding of mostly what they're doing at a, at a young age. So that helps them a lot, especially when they're moving up uh, grades and classes. So, I mean, it helps them a lot in the program. And also our weight weight training program and our conditioning program is great. So we, I believe we have the best weight and, weight and uh, conditioning training in the state. We're live right now with a four-star wide receiver from Myrtle Beach High School, Adam Randall, who just picked up a big-time offer from Clemson. He'll be heading, uh, well, maybe, to the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, when you got that, I guess, text message or email, how did it come out? How did you find out that this was now an opportunity for you uh, that was uh, a reality as of uh, this morning when you woke up? Um, actually, I received it 
I actually received it at one o'clock last night. Uh, coach texted me because uh, a lot of co- colleges and coaches were sending me a lot of stuff because uh, September first and them being able to start texting me and send me stuff now. So I was still up at one o'clock and coach texted me, texted me, and he was like, "Yeah, just go ahead and shoot me a call since you're up." And Coach Grisham uh, just told me the news that they were going to give me an off scholarship offer, and I was extremely excited because uh, Clemson has been one of those schools that I've been hoping that I would get an offer from here soon. So knowing that they would take a chance on me and my talents is just a blessing. Again, we're hanging out here with one of the big men on the beach, and he is balling out big time, Adam Randall, four-star wide receiver. Of course, we went in and gave you that extra star because we felt like you earned it here on Southern Sports Central, and you're representing Horry County in style. Man, I tell you what, receivers are something – well-known on the Grand Strand. I, you know, you got Hunter Renfro. I know that's a rival school, but that's a big-time receiver. Kenny Solomon was a big guy down the road. Of course, J.J. Jones, your teammate, and now here you are. Again, it seems like, uh, you know, there's something about that area that consists in, in the speed. Uh, are, are you a track and field guy during the spring and a football guy during the fall? Tell us, what is it about you that gets this next-level speed up and running as quick as you are over there, uh, up there at Duck Shaw Memorial Stadium? Um, well, I was, uh, I do a lot. I did try, I do track now and track and field. So, um, that has helped me a lot. I also have a personal trainer. His name is Terrence Butler. Um, when I first got to him, started training, I was running about a four, six, uh, four, like mid four, six. And now since I've been training with him for a year, like I've gotten my speed down to a uh, low four, four. And sometimes I hit that four, three, nine. So, I mean, just him helping me a lot is, has been a blessing, and he has got my speed uh, to increase by a lot. And uh, just and it's also been God-given talent that my speed has come and me being able to open my stride up at 6'3", it's just a blessing. So. Now, of course, Terrence Butler is uh, a big-time guy up there on the Grand Strand. He owns ESA, which is the uh, Speed and Agility Training for Athletes, Performance, and uh, all of that and some. You can contact Mr. Terrence over there at 843-267-4650, a young man that I know also extremely well from growing up there. Of course, he is uh, a guy that loves on you guys on the the Grand Strand, brother. Uh, Let me uh, turn you over to Ken, because, Ken, I know you wanted to jump in here as well, buddy. Ken, you got him. Go ahead and take it over, my man. Hey, man. Hey, Randall, how you doing, my man? What's going on? Hey, that's pretty good. I, I know I know that, that offer come in, man. How would that feel talking to Coach Grissom? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What? Can, can you say that one more time? I said, how did it feel when you know, Coach Grissom you know, gave you that offer, man? What what did it feel like? Um, it felt great. Uh, I immediately hopped out of my bed. Uh, and told my parents they they were extremely excited for me. Um, they knowing that they know that's in one of the offers that I've been waiting on. So um, just knowing that Clemson would take a chance on me and my talents is just a blessing. And just trying to stay humble and take it day by day. And hopefully, if I can go there, it would be a blessing. And if it's not the place for me, it's just still uh, it's just still um, a blessing that they thought that they could. Well, that they gave a chance to me, and just knowing that Coach Grisham, me and Coach Grisham have a good relationship, is just good because I know I always have him in my corner. Man, that's awesome! I know you're ready for the season. I'm ready for some football too. Now, let me yeah, ask you this: yeah. Now, when I know, I know when you um, 
you was talking about, you know, learn the plays and stuff when you, you know, little league on up and stuff. Um, when, when you know, y'all are loaded at receiver, you and Jones, and, and when you were one-on-one with that DB and you've got a certain play call and you and you and Burger got this certain chemistry, do you give him a hand signal like, yo, uh, let's switch it up, let me take this let me take this DB on a fade or a back shoulder or something? Do y'all have that chemistry to, to know automatically that you can switch something up and, and produce it? Um, yeah, me and Ryan have that chemistry. We've been working on it all offseason. And just him knowing, like, what tendencies the guy is doing. And it also comes with a lot of film watching, like, knowing if the guy can turn his hips well or if he can't get in and out of his breaks. It just really helps us knowing as a receiver where where we need to be and where the ball is going to be with me and Ryan just having such a great uh, relationship. No, oh, that's awesome. Now, when will you be? Uh, when will you think you have your like your top five or top four? Uh, when do you think you'll be ready for that? Uh, probably mid-season or um, next year. Yeah, what what are you thinking? Hopefully, I'll have it by the end of this year, uh, mid-season, and hopefully, I'll be able to be committed for early 2021. Uh, no, pro- mm-hmm. probably no later than March. And well, yeah. and that also depends on. Um, the, the visit, how the visits go, and um, if I'm able to get back on campus. Yeah, I'll be yeah. glad when they open back up too, because that's heard. Of, I heard a lot of kids about getting to campus. And your boy, your boy Burger, get ready to blow up. Cause he's he's getting ready to yeah. explode too. <laughs> now you know, yeah. uh, you know with, the, with the junior showcase game coming up, it's gonna be loaded. Yeah. It's gonna be loaded with talent, yeah. iron sharp as irons. It's gonna be all you. I mean, it's gonna be a game, and you know mm-hmm. those belts are gonna be on the line. So, you know, you yes, get some sir. ball out to win that thing now. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, can't, I cannot wait for that thing. And uh, one more thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, when you guys are working out, you and Jones and stuff, and um, and how do you, you know, you got the little guys looking up to you and stuff. What's, sure. what's that next receiver down in that Myrtle Beach, you know, with you guys that, that's going to be coming up that we need to keep an eye on? Um. The next receiver that you need to keep an eye on is Raekwon Williams. Um, Raekwon yeah. Williams is a sophomore this year. He's going to be start, being a sophomore this year, and he's probably going to be starting on offense. And as a sophomore, oh, okay. the beach is really hard to start. Uh, it's really hard wow. to start uh, at Murder Beach too. So, I mean, he's very talented, and his it's, it's like second year starting to play football, and he just has a knack for the game and has a knack for football. So, um, just knowing that he's going to be coming up and he's going to get bigger, stronger, faster in the next two years, I can't wait to watch him mm-hmm. grow and develop. Yeah, Man, that's awesome. Now, in your opinion, who is the hardest DB that you've faced so far in your high school career? What did you say? So What'd far say? in your high school career, who is the hardest yeah. defensive back that you've faced? Man to man, who is hardest defensive back? Um... It would probably have to be um, I forget his name. He played for Wren. Um, played for Wren, but he he goes to Citadel now. He played. He oh, played Tyler Cherry. Tyler Cherry. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's an athlete. Um, <laughs> I caught a, I caught a couple passes on him, but he had me covered a lot too. So knowing yeah. knowing him as a DB, I don't know where he's gonna play at Citadel, but I think that guy can play anywhere on the field. So, uh, yeah, they got him at receiver now. I got some good film on y'all battles from the state game. I got a whole yeah. bunch of them, and yeah, y'all went at it. You guys went at it. 
Yeah. And I got yeah, I got so. I got one film. I got one film. Uh, one of you guys and him are he's walking back to us. I'm gonna send I'm gonna DM it to you. you got, and I don't know who the guys yeah. on your team defensive back. So you can let me know who yeah. he is because I want to find out what was he saying to Tyler. <laughs> so it's, it's one yeah. of the coolest videos ever. But yeah, Tyler's I mean, playing receiver, true. man, and you know, and he played quarterback too. He's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. But they got oh, to make receiver okay. down at the Citadel. Yeah. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's the yeah there was really nothing we could say that guy that night. But that's so. that's good to know though. That's good. And that's all, that's awesome though, man. But I'm gonna stay in yeah. touch with you, man. Congrats, congrats on that offer. And I got okay. I, I got your I, I would be at I, the game I would be at this year to cover is your game against North Myrtle Beach. I got that one on my schedule, so I'll, I'll be coming down to cover that game live and um, get some get some film yeah, on okay. for the playoffs in the state game, man. Yep, yep, no doubt. Hopefully we can make it back there, and I think we got a shot at it. And hopefully we can we, could, we can have a good run. That'd be awesome. Maybe three trips in three years, and then get one. And that'd be yeah. that'd be awesome and get another ring. Yep, um, that'd be awesome. Yep. Trying to trying to go every every year that I can, so I mean, just that's the plan. <laughs> hey, Miss V will be reaching out to you to uh, to do that Zoom Zoom interview more, so um, I'm looking forward to that too. And um, and um, I'll be sending you some more gear, my man. Okay, all right, yes, sir. Congratulations again, boss. I, thank you. All right, guys, we're live with Adam Randall. Myrtle Beach is on. He is a four-star receiver. He's got an offer. Wait a minute. I hear there may be more offers. Uh, so, Randall, let me ask you this question. I know we're focused and talking about the Tigers, but I heard that you have a few others or maybe another that you might want to uh, kind of update us, man. Since that offer came through, who else has kept in contact with the man who's balling out of the beach? Um. Well, uh, just about an hour back, Oregon offered me too, so – um, that that was just another blessing because I looked at Oregon as one of my top schools ever, even though even though that they're all the way across the country. So um, just knowing that they would take a chance on me too is another blessing. Man, coast to coast, and and I got to be honest, uh, you know I've got a son. He's a senior this year. Uh, he's a big Oregon guy, and I ask him why. He loves the, the style. He loves the Nike check mark. He likes all the swags that they have. And, of course, uh, in the football terminology for you, man, you know, they've uh, they've got a lot of things going on on the field. What is it about Oregon <laughs> that attracts you uh, to that school and it being one of your top before they even offered you? Um, Just a lot. A lot of it was um, their offense back in the day when they had Marcus Mariota and their hurry-up offense. Uh, we ran a lot of that at Myrtle Beach. That's what we try to simulate. So I just loved it. And how they would just try to get up to the line, and also go, even though that they have gone back to the kind of pro style offense that Oregon, I, I still love it because they they swing it around to any receiver, and they also have their running back in the game. So if, playing with a great running back gives you a very dynamic duo, and it's kind of hard to stop the offense when you've got a great running back in the backfield, a good quarterback, and great receivers on the outside. So just knowing that they have that. Yeah, that high-tempo offense is a wide receiver dream, right? I can only imagine uh, you would fit in well not only there but anywhere. Any other opportunities, anybody else? I'd imagine the list is long, but uh, offer-wise, I know. So, we got Clemson, we got Oregon. Have you heard from anybody else? Um, uh, No, I haven't really talked to anybody. Um, uh, Minnesota has hit me up. Northwestern has been talking to me a lot. And uh, I just – 
I just got something from LSU today, but not really like. Not I haven't really talked to anybody up there yet, but I think they'll be coming soon when I get some film this year. No doubt about it, brother. And I got a lot of lot of lot of uh, attention to looking at you, man. Because not only is what you do on the field is important. Uh, I did talk to some guys who are very familiar with your classroom setting, man. Let's talk education. Because as yep. we all know, uh, football is, is something that we love, but it's got an expiration date. The one thing mamas and daddies are going to tell you is that getting that degree is always a gift that keeps on giving, man. So when it comes to education, what is it that you are going to be looking forward to? Have you got anything in your sights? I know you've got another year to go, but it's never too early to start planning that future, man. Um, Hopefully, uh, I wanted to do something in engineering. But playing football, that's going to be kind of hard. But uh, hopefully, I can, if I can't do that, if that just doesn't work out, I can look into something with business and stuff like that. So hopefully, like maybe I can be an agent once I like uh, get out of high, uh, college and try to go somewhere where I can do something in business too. I like it, yep. man. You're the first young man that's come on this show and has mentioned going back into the business. As an agent, I think that's huge, and that speaks volumes on your character in many ways, man. Being able to, to men, men, you know, I'd say mentor and, and maneuver in helping these young athletes because what you're getting ready to go through, young man, is going to be something that is going to be game-changing, as they say in sports, but it's going to be life-changing for you. You're going to see things, go places, and I encourage you, and God, I hope, willing, that you're able to visit these campuses. Now, that being said, uh, how much Zoom uh, have you been involved in? And, and again, kind of lay out the, the, the next couple of months after football season, because I know we're in the seven-week season coming up here at the end of September. But when does mom and dad and you and everybody plan on getting out on the road and starting to see some of these campuses? Um, hopefully at the end of the season, if uh, COVID willing and God willing, we can get out to some of these campuses and – hopefully go see the atmosphere and see the family environment and what it's like um, during a school day um, just so, like, my family can see where I'm going and hopefully that they can trust and believe to put me in that environment and just maybe I can go – hopefully I can go thrive, you know. I agree with you, man. I love it, man. Let's go back to the offensive line here because we talked so much about your quarterback play and get ready because I'm getting ready to ask you the comparison between – the Luke Doty show, and, of course, Mr. Berger, who we've had both here on Southern Sports Central. And that's a blessing in itself to have two great quarterbacks throwing to you in one season. But if it wasn't for that offensive line, giving you the time to throw the ball, these catches don't become a conversation, man. Who's up there on that big front line? Talk to me about some of the big nasties that uh, are keeping the, the big guys on the other side of the line. Um. Well, we actually have a returning starter from last year named Tom Morvick. Uh, he's he's a stud on that offensive line at uh, guard. And uh, we actually got a transfer in. Uh, his, I don't know his full name, but we call him Big Matt because he's like 6'5", 270 pounds. So we're, he's going to be able to hold that line up too. And we really have a good stud offensive line. We got a JV offensive tackle. He's like, Six four, he's getting bigger too, so he's gonna be able to be. We think we call him next Evan Jumper, so uh, because he that's what actually built like, and he's gonna be able to do well for us. And so we're gonna have a really solid offensive line this year. Now you got a guy in the backfield back there that uh, I know can move a little bit. Let's talk about that running back uh, that uh, does some big things as well uh, for you as well. 
Uh, well, we have Ben Harry back right back there right now. He's a speedster. I mean, he can, and he can run between the tackles too. Uh, we call him Angry Ben because we know he runs angry every time he gets the ball, and um, he just um, he's great back there. I mean, uh, he's a track star too. He, me and him always like to race. Um, uh, me, him, and one of our cornerbacks are the fastest people on our team, so we always like to race and argue and see who's the fastest. So. It's just he, he's back there, and he's going to do, have a great season, too. No doubt. Competition, bring competition. You don't even have to leave Doug's yeah. World Stadium over there in Myrtle Beach uh, to get that competition. Uh, Adam, let me tell you, man, uh, secondary for whatever it is, uh, you know, you guys continue to have some guys over there covering you guys during practice. And that's why when we, of course, Ken and I were there at the stadium when you guys were playing for the state championship, I said, look, he sees – Five-star DBs at practice, man. This is just another day at the office, man. Uh, talk about some of those guys that cover you. Who's the best defensive back at Myrtle Beach coming back this year? Well, I can't pick one now. You don't, I can't I can't put me in that predicament. But we have got some really good athletes over there. Uh, we got Trey Baker over there right now. I think he's he's been talking to a couple of schools. I think he knows where to go, but I don't I don't want to really tell it because that's that's his business. And we also got. Uh, T.J. Austin on the other side uh, at cornerback, and we got some good, really good JV guys, uh, Joshua Gunn, and they they really did well with JV. They went undefeated last year, and they they I don't I don't think one team scored over 14 points on them last year, so uh, they did really well, and um, they were um, they were they were beautiful on defense, and they're gonna come up in. Hopefully, I think they are going to make a big impact on the game. We're live right now with a four-star wide receiver from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach High School's own Adam Randall, sitting on a couple of offers from coast to coast. He started off at Clemson just a few hours, maybe less than an hour ago. It was Oregon. The Ducks came flying in and dropped off an offer to the young man as well. Now, uh, Adam, I told you we were going to talk quarterback play, man. I tell you, Luke Doty, no doubt. Five-star guy, did big-time things. Mr. Football, he covers a lot. He's now at the University of South Carolina, Power 5 school. He did some great things for you. But then he gets hurt, and who comes in? This guy, no, well, Mr. Berger, Ryan. And this guy hasn't skipped a beat either, and I thought played extremely well there in the state championship. What's it like to have not one but two great quarterbacks? Kind of uh, an opportunity to play catch with uh, every single Friday night, but throughout the week as well. Um, it's been a blessing for the last two years to have two great quarterbacks back there that know what they're doing and can make great plays. Um, Myrtle Beach has a great history of great, uh, great quarterbacks that have came through there, and they, Ryan and Luke, are just another, just another attachment to the great uh, history of the quarterbacks. And uh, Luke brings the dynamic of the game of running, and Ryan has got. A lot, a lot quicker and faster this year. So I think he's going to bring that same dynamic to the game this year, and just them being able to make every throw on the field and make uh, good reads and conscientious uh, decisions is great. So I mean, and receivers are uh, dependent uh, position. So we know that we need a great quarterback that back there to uh, have a good season. I tell you what, brother, you've gotten, without a doubt, two of the great ones there on the Grand Strand. Jimbo Langford was a quarterback back in my day in the 90s when I was at Sockacy when we played you guys. Coach Langford, matter of fact, was a big name uh, there in the hallways uh, back in the day. And I know you guys uh, have a lot of talent that continues to go through that program. And uh, I appreciate your time here tonight. 
the final thing I got to ask you, man, uh, what's the tradition at Myrtle Beach that you guys uh, you look forward to? And, and I know you were one of the first that couldn't wait to get the lights on over there at the stadium and guarantee a season. But what is it uh, over there at Myrtle Beach, a tradition that uh, makes you guys stand out across not only the Grand Strand but across the state, bud? Um, well, the first tradition would just have to be the state championships and the tradition of being always being good, competitive every single year. And um, just every time that a team comes down to Dutch Hall Memorial Stadium, knowing that they have to come to the beach and they know it's going to be a tough, a tough fight in that game. So uh, with the bright lights and us coming around on the bus and just knowing that we're going to have a – we're going to put a good product out on the field, they know that it's going to be a tough time. And then just our tradition of being good every single year is just being, has been great. Well, brother, you're great yourself, my man. I appreciate your time. I want you to thank uh, your family for allowing you to come on. Your coach, who, by the way, joined me here on Southern Sports Central a couple weeks ago. And uh, give uh, Coach O over there, Coach uh, J.O. Of course, uh, Jason Owens, the defensive coordinator. Give him a hard time on my end, buddy. But um, let me um, – well, I tell you what, Ken, I think you got something you want to jump in here real quick, bud. Go ahead. Yep. Oh, never mind. Okay, so we're going to end – We'll go ahead and uh, appreciate your time for coming in here, big man. As always, uh, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to continue getting you in here as long as you don't mind. I think Ken had to step away for a minute. But uh, thanks again for taking some time to hang out with us tonight. We look forward to uh, finding out some more great offers coming your way soon, bud. Yes, sir. All right. All right. No doubt. Anytime. Appreciate you. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Randall, a four-star wide receiver from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, class of 22, sits on not one but two great offers uh, of Power 5 schools. One, right here in the state of South Carolina, Clemson University, the Tigers came calling first and early. I mean, real early this morning. And then it was the Ducks that flew in and dropped off a special gift known as uh, an offer, an opportunity. And, uh, again, a lot of this generation loves the Ducks. They love what Oregon's done. They've seen a lot of success over there. With that fire, I mean a very fast offense uh, happening over there on the West Coast. Uh, Eugene, uh, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and cue up some music, my man. Let's do a short break. We'll break it up in between uh, the interviews here tonight. Uh, again, we want to thank you for listening in here. If you want to join us live now, you got some questions, maybe some things you would like to talk to us, we'd love to hear from you tonight. The number to reach out is one three two three seven eight four. 9681. Again, the number to reach out now live is 1 323 We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie. I'm alongside Eugene Benton. I want to thank all of our guests here tonight. They joined us starting off at 6 o'clock. It was Cole Bryson from the ESPN Upstate crew. Of course, he is the voice of the Burns Rebels. At 6.30, Reginald Walker Jr. joined us, a TV and radio guy, not only for the UNC Charlotte. He's also hanging out with Gardner Webb. Now, of course, uh, a big-time contributor here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, at 7 o'clock, we headed from Charlotte to Columbia. South Carolina with Mike Uva. He is with Watch Fox. He is over there doing his thing, but always willing and able to get in here and talk some football. Not only high school there in the Midlands, but some college conversation as the Gamecocks are in his backyard. Then it was at 7.30. We went to the borders of North and South Carolina with the one and only Joe Hughes with the Shelby Star and the Gaston Gazette. He covers North Carolina and high school and South Carolina High School sports here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, always looking forward to getting him back in here. As North Carolina, by the way, isn't playing any football until February. If you're here in the state of South Carolina, maybe down there like our buddy in Augusta, they're getting ready to get it going, North Augusta that is, and hang out and get it to you soon. I mean, real soon. We're like uh, less than a month away type soon. That's a big deal. Then, at a course, at 8 o'clock, Ken Brown with the South Carolina High School Blitz joined us. He uh, talked about some of the big news that's going to happen. Yes, a junior showcase is going to happen. If you're curious, Southern Sports Central will broadcast it. We will have player of the game on the radio. We will have play-to-play from the first quarter to the last quarter and on-field interviews throughout the entire event live right here on Southern Sports Central. And watch out because here comes a senior bowl. The Senior Bowl will be happening as well. Now, the Senior Bowl is coming to Charleston, South Carolina. So, for the class of 21, Southern Sports Central is partnered up with the High School Blitz. We're going to bring the Senior Bowl here. That will be the upstate versus the lower state right here in the low country. And it will be one to remember the first annual Senior Bowl coming to you live right here on Southern Sports Central. Then, of course, uh, right after that, we hung out with a four-star stud. He's a five-star dude in our book any day of the week. He is a receiver from Myrtle Beach High School, a class of 22. Adam Randall with not one but two offers. Uh, one of those, Clemson, and the other one came out of Oregon just about an hour ago. And he's got a lot of conversation going. And trust and believe me, by Monday morning, this young man will have a long list of opportunities. That's going to be the hardest thing is to narrow it down. He said he wants to maybe get into being a sports agent about engineering. So uh, that's pretty good spectrum there, and I think it's a very good uh, direction uh, to be going in, either one of them, and a winning situation, Eugene. As I'll bring you in here and say again, you know, it's been a great show, a lot of great guests. Uh, I know you, of course, had to fly the ship alone for the first hour and a half, and then, you know, with me uh, in between on travels, because we are handling a ton of things that are going on, not only are we going to be starting not this Saturday, but next Saturday night, we are going to be focused on the South Carolina Youth Football Association Game of the Week here in the Low Country. We'll be broadcasting that game live right here, uh, and uh, we're bringing on some new shows. Uh, the West Foundation will be kicking off here uh, very soon. I believe we're going to give them airtime on Tuesday night. That would be a lot of fun. They'll get their uh, conversation going uh, at 6 o'clock, and then the South Carolina High School Blitz, they're going to be doing their thing on Thursday night. So what does that mean for us? That means on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, you'll hear Southern Sports Central. And there is, oh, by the way, there is another show tucking off on Sunday 
at 6 o'clock, and this young man is going to be focused a lot on the youth. He's going to do a lot of that South Carolina Youth Football Association talk on Sunday night right here on Southern Sports Central. So a lot happens. We're trying to bring in as many personalities and opportunities and uh, broadcast Eugene ourselves around as much as we can and give a lot of uh, information within the three hours that we're rolling live each night. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to watch the youth uh, football league as well, man. Uh, as you know, I work with a young buck who's uh, only in seventh grade, but man, he's been putting in hours and hours and hours week after week and uh, perfecting his game. He's a, he's a great kicker. He's been a soccer player his whole life, you know, and now he wants to take his talents and, and play football as a kicker and, I got a text from his dad about mid-show and said one of the um, high school varsity coaches over at uh, Somerville reached out and said, uh, you know, they wanted to meet the young man, and he's pretty excited about that. So, uh, you know, just getting that attention, I see the high school coaches are starting to, you know, dip down and, and kind of like what, what we talked about on the show on Thursday nights was, you know, creating that, that excitement level for these young bucks and trying to keep them, you know, kind of folded into the high school or, or to the football, you know, game, to the sport, you know, and keep right. them engaged and seeing these uh, high school coaches reaching out. So, um, you know, him, you know, getting to meet, uh, you know, that Somerville high school coach was a big deal for him. And he's pretty excited about that. And the coach was like, you know, told him that uh, he was following him. He's planning on watching him kick the ball and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what he does, you know, and how he progresses. So that's pretty exciting. So definitely looking forward to these guys because, you know, we get these guys, uh, you, you know, like the four-star guys and five-star guys and, and all these guys who are looking at going to the next level in college. And, and we cover those guys and we love on them and, and give them a great platform. But, you know, the guys looking up to them, you know, the next generation, you know, two or three years down the road when we're doing the show and they come on, that's the guys right now who are, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, trying to do their thing, trying to learn the game, trying to perfect their skills and, and, and kind of blow up, so to speak. And, uh, going to make the name for themselves because uh you know that's their dream too they dream of the big schools they dream of getting the clemson or the oregon or the south carolina or the florida or the tennessee offers you know or alabama or some school like that um now you know they they have the posters they watch the games they know who's running what schemes and, and wearing what gear and that kind of stuff so it's, it's gonna be pretty exciting to watch these young bucks come out and uh and, and ball out and do their thing so definitely looking forward to that it's been a great show. Had some uh, great interviews. You know, some guys covering the, the Midlands area, the uh, upstate, well, I guess I call it the upstate, but kind of the Rock Hill, Charlotte area. Uh, having Mr. Brown on, obviously, with the uh, SC Blitz and such a great partnership we've developed with those guys. Uh, and he's kind of based out of that kind of Greenville, Clemson area. Um, just kind of growing the, growing what we do, both of us, us and them, and we're kind of growing together. It's kind of a, a partnership marriage, so to speak. And then, uh, of course, you know, bringing in uh, a future star in the collegiate level. I was more impressed with the work ethic. You know, this guy's like, I believe he said he was 6'4". You know, he ran a 4'6". And, you know, that's going to get you to the next level if you have some talent, if you have some ball skills. But what he did was work day in, day out for a year. And now he's got that uh, time down to the 4'4". He said he hit a 4'3'9". And then, lo and behold, his dream schools come calling. And that's what it's about. It's a great motivational story for these younger guys uh who are trying to you know get to those that those, trying to get those offers trying to put those in, in their pockets is you may not be where you are today but if you work hard and you put in extra effort and you put in a little extra more effort on top of that you might get those base schools calling because you know that that date whether it be september 1st of their junior year 
or some other date that gets established, you know, by then, you know, that's kind of like, like you mentioned earlier, that's the Christmas morning. And that's when all that hard work pays off is when you start getting those emails, those DMs, those phone calls and things like that. Uh, that's when you kind of see that, you know what, I can really do this at the next level. So it's kind of a, uh, refreshing to hear that these guys are getting it out it's all, all over the state. A bunch of guys getting those messages today and how proud they were and, you know, how thankful they were and how humble they were, you know, them, their parents, their coaches, their teammates and things like that. And that's, that's what it's about. And that's what this platform's for is to celebrate that and to also promote them to try to get those offers uh, to come in the door for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you nailed a bunch of different things here, of course. Uh, and we do, really take a lot of pride in, in, in being a, a silent conversation of, of many athletes. We have a very good, uh, I would say, relationship with multiple coaches across not only high school but in the college ranks, former players in the NFL. When we go to these camps, uh, we, of course, we've partnered with EP Training with, uh, of course, uh, Coach Ramon, Coach, uh, of course, uh, you know, Coach Sullivan. He does his thing, Coach McGowan, and, and, and all of that team over there it's the same here. You know, it's the same over at the South Carolina High School Blitz. Uh, we work one-on-one with the Carolina Experience guys. You know, what we do is uh, we make sure that their attitude and direction is the same as ours. And then, well, we can't forget about the Infinity guys because, well, they're doing five-star things as well, and we're very blessed to be a part of what they do. So, again, it's all of us, while we're riding in different cars, we're all going in the same direction. And I like to say that we're all like superheroes you know, I, again, I'm not going to say we're Marvels or, or we're the other group, but we are definitely a very intriguing, I would say, the NWO of, of sports right now between the recruiting, the training, the radio, the broadcasting of multiple levels and doing multiple things and doing it all at different levels, but bringing it all together as one right here on Southern Sports Central is huge. And having the opportunities that we do, you know, this past week, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time at the school I'm going to be spending a lot of time with going forward uh, over at Fort Dorchester. And it has been a blast being back around. Again, my fear was what am I going to do on Friday night? Where am I going to go? Well, it is nice to be back, at, you know, on a football field. And, yes, I'm in a new chapter of my life, and I'm going in a direction that I'm very excited about because I do ministry. I do what I feel the Lord has called me to do. So for anybody who's got anything to say, well, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I go where the big man says, hey, it's time to move, you know, and if you want to get spiritual, we can do that later, but I'm going to be honest with you, everything that Eugene and myself and all of us that are connected to Southern Sports Central, we are very strong in our faith, we are very strong in our direction, and we don't move unless the big man says move, and trust and believe me, if you don't move when he wants you to move, he'll make you move when you don't want to move, and that's just the way life is, and again, when I built Southern Sports Central, and I've had so many great cast members come through here and do some great things. I mean, Mr. Anisha Allen Jackson, who has done an amazing, an amazing job in doing great things. And now she has conquered so much in her health and, and doing great things there in Atlanta. She still contributes by doing multiple things, whether it's behind the scenes. Clemson Tom was a big uh, part of Southern Sports Central for many years. He still is. He's just, uh, well, building that family up. He's got another baby coming. So uh, building and, and doing great things. But he's always willing to jump in and be a part of our show. And, by the way, he may be joining us. Kind of un- well, we'll see. But Thursday night could be the night that he jumps in and fills in because uh, Eugene is going to go be with his family because uh, my, my nephew, if you will, is getting ready to turn another year older. So what do we do at Southern Sports Central? We, we practice what we preach. And I said, Eugene, 
you're not coming to work Thursday night. I'll find somebody else. You go be with the dude, and I'll take care of the house here because you did a great job not only, brother, earlier, but, again, what we are all about is family first. As you just heard, of course, uh, the guy that jumped in here at 730, he said family first. Well, that's what we are. We're family first, and that's what, again, Eugene, I know you won't be with us Thursday night, but you did a great job tonight, man. I thought you covered the home front very well. I've been in meetings uh, throughout the afternoon uh, with some sponsorship stuff. Of course, I've had other obligations that I'm trying to do, and it's nice to have somebody step in and uh, roll with it, man. I thought I had you set up pretty good with all these guests, man. And, again, conversations from what I can hear on a lot of feedback, uh, very good, and I appreciate you being ready and able and willing to take control of the battleship while I was out and about. I appreciate it, man. And, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, Jeremiah is turning 17 on Thursday. He's such a great, wonderful kid, and I'm blessed to have a kid with his motivation and his talents and ability. I mean, he's a very uh, high academic kid. He's tried just about every sport. He's played just about every sport there was. Uh, now he's focused on uh, his engineering um, goals, uh, his top schools are MIT, Ohio State, Carnegie, Georgia Tech, uh, things like that. So right now he's kind of focused on that. And, uh, you know, looking forward, we were looking at his schedule today and uh, with all these AP classes and things like that, and he's already taking college engineering classes. Um, you know, time is short, man. you got to spend as much time as you can, especially quality time with your kids because you're going to blink and one day, you know, they're going to be gone. And, you know, all of his schools that he's, you know, really the most interested in are, are, are out of state. And uh, the closest one looks to be uh, probably Georgia Tech. And so um, definitely looking forward to enjoying some time with the family and with him on Thursday night and celebrating his birthday because, you know, the next one he'll be 18. And then in 19, he'll be, you know, on the road pursuing his dreams. And as a dad, that's kind of my – I take it as my job, my goal uh, as being a father is to get him to the next level, much like, you know, with coaching and, and trying to get these kids recruited, you know, and, and get them to experience their dreams and get them to the next level is uh, seeing him, you know, prosper and go on to the next level and study engineering at one of these prestigious institutions. So I appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll be back uh, – at the next show, whether we do the Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon. Um, but, man, I just uh, it's been a great show. I enjoyed the opportunity. I'm glad you uh, laid it out with the guests. And uh, it was pretty easy because all these guys were uh, pretty seasoned professionals. And uh, I just kind of asked some questions and let them uh, take the reins over. And it was just pretty cool just kind of, you know, getting to know them as well as, you know, the areas they cover and some of the, the teams and, and athletes in their area. And it's been a fun show. Yeah, you did a great job. And, again, we are very excited to announce a lot of great things. I'll have everything ironed out with our up-and-coming broadcast schedule. It will be a new format. It will be three new shows adding to our show. Again, we are going to change gears. We will not be live this Sunday. Why? Because, well, it is Labor Day on Monday, and we are going to allow ourselves to not do anything on Sunday. So we will broadcast on Saturday morning. Look at that. Just like that. So Saturday morning we'll do a little show, and that will take place of the Sunday show. Looking forward to that. We'll talk college football. We'll talk some high school football. But uh, we will not be doing a show on Sunday uh, or Monday uh, of this week. So uh, stay tuned to uh, the up-and-coming schedule, broadcast schedule, coming up with all the new shows and the times coming up. Now, uh, again, uh, we do want to thank all of our listeners here. Again, we want to make sure you follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports 
Central. And it would not uh, be a show without, I believe, we got Tim hanging in here. And, Tim, I don't have a lot of time, but, man, if I got any time, I got to give you an opportunity to say what's up, man. What's up? How you guys doing? Look, Eugene, that was awesome filling in for Richie. Uh, you did very well tonight. I was very proud to listen to you uh, take the reins. Richie, uh, I'm excited for all the things you got coming up. I heard a little bit from Eugene on Sunday when we were together about what you got going on. That's going to be cool. I just wanted to jump in because it's the first day of the 22s. Obviously, I have one, um, and we got we had a little bit of a Christmas morning ourselves. And for all the 22s out there, you know, if you didn't get one, doesn't mean stop working because your day will come. And then I just wanted to say to everybody out there, let's play some freaking football. <laughs> and he didn't say that his kid drained like or whatever. How many yards did he kick that thing on Sunday, by the way, bud? Uh, he had a kickoff that was 76, and uh, the the field goal competition, he got third behind Connor Litton, who's a BC commit for 21, and uh, Matthew Dennis, who's the Wake Forest commit of 21. Uh, so he made the finals with a – he had a 50 off a of live snap and hold. The wind was swirling. Eugene was there. It was, it was pretty nasty. One second it was one way, one second it was the other. But uh, he did pretty well that day, and – we heard from, uh, you know, a few schools. We heard from Ohio. We heard from uh, Marshall. We heard from Vanderbilt. We heard from Coastal. We heard from Temple. Uh, we heard from a few schools today that we didn't expect either. Hey, any and all are greatly appreciated. The young man is a five-star dude, guys. If you're listening, coaches, find out the information on this young man. Uh, we'll tweet it out. Tweet out some information on this young man, uh, Eugene, while we got him on the air. Of course, uh, you know, he is uh, – a very special young man, class of 2022. He's down there at North Augusta. These guys are ready to ball out. I think, honestly, Tim's ready to go play football tomorrow night. I don't know about the rest of them, but I think Tim's ready to suit it up. But I think you're out of eligibility, right, so, man? Uh, you know, just by a couple of years. But, hey, I wanted to say something <laughs> real quick about Eugene's guy. I saw a tweet go out tonight from Spencer McKinley there at Oceanside about a, a news story they did on him on television. And, Kid couldn't be more deserving. He's a great kid, class act, did a great interview, has been pushing Drew all summer. He's really who he compares himself to. I think the two of them kind of have a friendly rivalry going on, which is great for both of them to keep them both improving and doing well. And uh, I know there's some other kids around the state that are class of 22 that are great, Trevor Weldon, John Love. There's Kanoa Vinaset. There's some guys that can kick the ball in, in the class of 22. And, you know, I think they've got a pretty good rivalry going on. You know, friendly one, but it's still pretty good pushing each other to do better. Hey, man, i got to be honest with you. Special teams doing special things. Tim, thanks for hanging out tonight. And I really appreciate your support of Southern Sports Central, getting us down there in the hallways and in the households and just out and about in North Augusta, man. It's greatly appreciated. we got your shirt coming your way, so stay tuned. we got to get the size with it, but uh, we'll get that. We'll figure it out, and we'll send it to you, man. But Thanks again for all that you do for us, and, and God bless you. Tell your son we're super proud of him. And if, uh, matter of fact, let him know next week he's got an interview on the show. I'll figure it out, and uh, I'll give you a shout to set it up, bud. Oh, my gosh. He's going to need a communications course before he comes on with you, Richie. But I'll, 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 we'll give it a shot. All right, buddy. God bless you. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon, Tim. Take, take care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, all the way in North Augusta. So let's just – Put the map together, Eugene. Uh, it has been a great way to end the show. We started in the upstate in Greenville. We took the bus, if I'm not mistaken, to Charlotte. We then came to Columbia, South Carolina, then headed over somewhere between North Carolina and South Carolina near Rock Hill, 
where, of course, uh, Joe Hughes was hanging out. And then we went back up to Greensville, to Myrtle Beach, to North Augusta. If that doesn't say, man, we're bringing you anywhere and everywhere live right here on Southern Sports Central. And now we haven't covered special teams, Eugene. I don't think we missed anything tonight. No. And it's kind of like, uh, remember when Spurrier started uh, at University of South Carolina and they got that nice uh, bus for him and he took that bow tie bus tour? It's kind of like that where <laughs> yeah. if you draw it on the map, we kind of did that crisscross bow, bow tie tour of the state with uh, covering, uh, you, you know, it wasn't just high school sports. We even covered some of the youth league. We talked about those guys. We talked about some of the colleges in state. We talked about colleges out of state. We talked about players. We talked about offense and defense. We talked about, you know, we had the wide receiver on. We had, uh, you know, we discussed the special teams. And so if you want to talk about an action-packed show that covered everything, I think we covered about everything except some of the other sports. Maybe maybe, uh, we spend a few moments next show talking about some golf or or tennis or something because – you know, for three hours. I know enough we, about we any one of those. Down, talk, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for about three hours, we, we sure did beat it down with football throughout the state because, uh, you know, we're all excited. And that's what it is. We're all excited for all the 2022 kids who opened up some mail and voicemails and DMs and stuff like that today. You know, as fans of sports, we're all excited, too, because right now, and hopefully Santa Claus doesn't turn around the sleigh because right now Santa Claus is set to deliver – uh, some high school sports coming up here in a couple of weeks, and that's being the start of high school football season uh, on, on the public school level where we'll have not one or two or three or four, but we'll have, you know, probably 50-plus games. And, you know, we're all just looking forward to it. That's our Christmas morning. Yep. And, of course, uh, Friday night I'm heading over to uh, First Baptist where they're hosting Ben Lippin, who both coaches have been on the show, and it's only fitting that we head over and show a little love, show a little support. So we will watch some Friday Night Lights live right there in the stadium. May do some Facebook live stuff. We don't know. We're going to do something uh, to drop some information. We'll probably interview a few players along the way. But, again, we also, Eugene, covered the NFL because we talked about the Raiders and the Panthers, and that's coast-to-coast action as well. And we got players from the state on both teams doing great things. And, again, you know, again, that's what we're about, all right, because we could touch – any and all levels of the sport of high school to college to the NFL because they're all working together. Don't forget about the little guys down there in the youth leagues because we have them covered too. So there's just a lot of great things happening. It's only just begun because the season hasn't even started, and we got a lot of great things. I got a lot more guests coming up next week, but this week on Thursday night we will be live at 6 p.m. right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can find us again at Southern Sports Central on Facebook. Like it over there. Love us over there on the gram at Southern Sports Central and uh, I guess follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Again, Eugene will have the night off. He's going to be hanging out uh, with my nephew and the rest of the fam, and I will continue to run the battleship here of Southern Sports Central. I'll have a special guest filling in for the big man. So it's going to be a great show, Gress. And believe me when I tell you, you will like the guest that's coming in. Well, I may have multiple special guests coming in as uh, tonight has come to an end we want to thank all of our sponsors across the board we also want to thank you for listening to us tonight supporting us and our platform as we just want to be a part of listening to the youth giving them a voice an opportunity and well quite frankly time away from the normal day-to-day life and all the things that are going on to check out just for away three hours until next time god bless stay safe eugene great job my brother from another mother we'll see you 
on Thursday night. For everybody else, Eugene, we'll see you next week, my man. Take care, guys. the challenge all you gotta do is leave it better than you found it it's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance i just say whatever cause there is no way you're rounded everyone falls down sometimes but you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay Gotta give your feet some gravity to get you grounded Keep good things inside your ears just like the waves and sound it And just say whatever cause there is no way you're grounded Everyone falls down sometimes But you just gotta know it'll all be fine It's okay uh-huh. It's okay Sunday bed.